0: This episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids is brought to you by Eternal Confidence. You've heard us talk about it for a couple weeks, so you kind of know the gist already. Um, Just wanted to clue you in on the video that I am, uh, it's kind of aligning with what we talked about in this episode and just some conversations I've been having, Uh, but the topic is called What Do You Miss About Being a Christian? It's uh, season one, episode five. Really good episode to kind, I mean, I I saw the similarities in, in the things that I missed, like the... Uh, tradition and just the, the meeting in a large room with, with people and, and being there for the same purpose. But there's some other perspectives in there that are very unique. Um, so go ahead, get that video watched. watch. There's a ton of other ones on there that are very thought provoking. Um, if you do happen to watch one of their videos, go ahead slide on down to the comment section and let them know Dirty Rotten Church Kids sent ya.
1: Hey everybody, it is Adrian. This is Josh. And if you're listening to it right now, you're listening to episode 10 of... The, the Dirty, Dirty and Rotten Church Kids, Kids Podcast. Podcast, episode 10, double digits. <laughs> episode 10. We did it, man. Yeah. We're we done. did it. We're done. <laughs> this is the last episode. Yeah, 10. Episode 10. That's, That's as good. high as I can count. My awesome. son, uh My son counts uh, 10, and then he goes 11, 12, 15, 15, 15, 20. Twenty sounds and very he German. You really capped out at twenty. He Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, we're also teaching him in German. It's great. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, we
0: record these at night, and I brought this up at the top. I wish we could do this during the day, so I'm like more <laughs> spunky. But I'll get into. It. I'm good. Just just tired. Um, but I mean, that's that's the
1: same, same. I am currently hopped up on antibiotics. I uh, have. Uh, I'm, I'm hopped up on the Z. Okay, Z-back okay cool on the z is what we call it on the streets in the rave clubs in the rave clubs um, I was passing out Z in the 90s and uh yeah i woke up and i felt like i couldn't can't explain why i just felt like i was coming down with pneumonia like i had bronchitis for a month which i told mm-hmm. you about and I, I just couldn't explain it there's just something just the christ in me was like that's pneumonia bitch and mm-hmm. so i was like i'm calling the doctor so i got myself a z uh, I picked it up in an alley cause that's what it sounds like, <laughs> like you do <laughs> whenever you try trying to, like, over here, Z, 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 I gotta score some Z. <laughs> and so, and, and then completely, uh, independently of this, my son has come down with pink eye. Oh, that's so, great. So my family, you would think we live in like a, a, in an actual trash can, mm-hmm. um, just because of how frequently we're sick, how frequently, uh, we are un- unwell. Um literally my wife is the only one in our house who has not been really sick this entire time. Yeah, it's um, just kids. It's just kids. Like
0: my kids don't know how to flush a toilet, so that's fun findings what <laughs> they did during the night in the toilet. Episode that's cool. ten, baby baby. Like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. That's great. But yeah, I mean the response we got to the last episode, the Purity yeah. Culture one, episode nine, if you haven't listened to it, uh give it a listen. Um it's definitely one that and I think we said it at the top of the episode. You and I didn't plan on it. It just kind of came at us. And the conversations that we've had um, because of it have been, uh, at least for me, very eye-opening. But yeah, I just didn't expect any of it, but I love it. It's great.
1: And you said in the episode, I didn't even know... The name purity culture. Yeah. I didn't even have a name for what that was. Mm-hmm. I just knew what it was after I heard, after like it was explained to yeah. me, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's what that whole thing is called." And so as I was kind of doing some prep for the actual episode, it just kept like peeling away like layers that I had kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. in my old evangelical upbringing. And I'm so glad we were able to kind of talk about it. And like I said in the episode, we're like going to keep on talking about it. No yeah, doubt. it's going
0: to keep coming up. Yeah, um, I think it's just one of those things. Um, I don't think you have to be deconstructing to understand what that was. But, I mean, if you're in the church now, 99.9% sure you went through that. Yep. And so it's something that is it's a shared common experience, whether we might have had specific details different, the overall idea of it yeah. um, was uh, pretty uniform throughout. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll keep coming up. It's just going to be that. That fly that keeps buzzing around. So that was good, really
1: good episode. So that was a great episode. Yes. But we are now currently on episode ten. Yes, baby, baby. That's great. So That's crazy. What I would like for us to do mm-hmm. is we we're really excited because we have a guest on this week's episode. Um, this person is a therapist. Uh, according to their website, they are also a trauma cartographer, which I'm really stoked to talk about.
0: Sounds like a this wizard. Pers- sounds should, like a wizard. We get them off. Um,
1: she is a wizard. <laughs> um, this person is a dirty rotten church kid for sure. And she is also certainly a friend. So, everyone, let's give it up for Miss Jess Murray. Yeah. Hey, Jess.
2: Hello. Ooh. Mm. What you... This is good. This is so good. Here we go. Here we go.
0: Uh this is the end of episode 10 <laughs> This is the song i'm gonna play it all the way through so you can thank your husband for that recommendation i
2: reached oh. out to him
1: yeah is this your jam is thanks this- husband <laughs> <laughs> your face lit up i was so happy that was awesome hi friend it's
2: a wonderful surprise hello friends welcome
1: to the dirty rotten church kids podcast
2: Woohoo! i'm so excited to thank be you here.
1: for being here thank you for making the trek down it oh really means a lot to us we are used to being the ones that have to typically commute to a place, mm-hmm. mm. uh, so it means a lot that you'd come all the way down here just to speak to a little, little class.
2: Cool. Yeah. yeah, no kids, just a cat, so I've got time. Mm.
0: Did we say her name? Yeah, we
1: did. Okay, what do you, you say her name is? She, what? what? <laughs> Wait,
0: <real quick. laughs> I'm you said sli- mental, I'm mental cartographer. A and part- I'm like, paper. I don't know Her anything is... else now. Okay, just making mental sure it's Jess. Mental cartographer. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is. It sounds like you do backflips while giving therapy. I don't know what
3: that means.
1: I
0: don't, I don't think you know what cartographer means, but we're going to get into it. <laughs> that's a whole
1: other episode exactly That's exactly what that's I do. cartwheel <laughs> <laughs> So do you want to talk uh, about how, we, how you know Jess? Yes. Yeah, so um,
0: Adrian and I, through playing music, ended up in West Palm Beach. And uh, we know your husband pretty well, Nick Murray. Um, he does this. I wouldn't even call what he does spoken word. He's a beast. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Linguistically, yes. he's amazing. Yes. Um. And so we knew him, and he came to one of our shows. Like my girlfriend's here. I'm like, oh, Oh,
1: well, well, well. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and can, we, can and we meet her? <laughs> he's like, I guess. Right. He's um, like She goes to a different school. No, we're <laughs> like, you don't believe you have a girlfriend.
0: Um. But yeah, it was at Harold's Coffee. Um. Oh, and we yeah. sat out there and we're just talking and, like, it was. Like, I I talked to Nick. I'm like, dude, she's very cool, very open, and you were just super comfortable in the environment. And then Adrian said, at her wedding, at their wedding, you talked to her about Dirty Rock Church kids. Congratulations on the biggest day of your life. You
1: want to be on our podcast? (laughs) Jeez, dude. Hi, I've spoken to you once before, and I'm going to freaking just snare you to be on our show. Because, and for me, I met Nick the same way, and I Mm -hmm. met you through Nick. Um, And then I found out you guys were engaged and I was so stoked. And and I love Nick so much because like you said, Josh, he's so much more than just like a spoken word artist. He's like a poet and a writer and he's a videographer and a photographer. Mm -hmm. He's just like this, he's a maker. Mm -hmm. And so I loved that about him. And then as soon as he like, Introduced us to you, I, we all just kind of got like a similar sort of energy. Mm. I'm like, okay, you're she's good people. Not that it matters what the fuck I think of you, but I I believe genuinely it matters Jericho. a lot. Okay, okay <laughs> and so um Alyssa and I went to your wedding, and it was absolutely stunning, and it was perfect in every way. Yes. And I went up to you, and I was like, hey, I just found out that you're a therapist. Would you be on our podcast? <laughs> I know you have no clue what any of this is. And we've only spoken once before. And you were incredibly kind. It was awkward. It's like you did it
0: during the cake ceremony.
1: I actually said, excuse me, real quick. real quick, (laughs) Don't eat it. I got one question for you. (laughs) I slid my hand like right in between his, her her cake slice and his face. second. I'm going to let you continue. But I just want to say this one thing. Um, But so thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much.
2: Oh my gosh. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Certainly. I was beyond flattered. When you came up to me at my wedding and asked me to be the
1: <laughs> And interrupted the <laughs> biggest day of my life. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds like the most narcissistic. Hey, so I know that in many ways this day is about you, but I would also like it but to actually. be all about me. Me, <laughs> me, me.
3: Me, me, me,
0: me. Classic. Me. So you want to give us a little background of, of Jess? Yeah. Are you a are cartographer? You, well, yeah. Are, are, you, are you from Florida? Are you from How'd Florida, you end up down here?
2: No, so I was born in Indiana, lived there for about like six or seven years, and then lived in Missouri for another seven ish years, and then ended up in Florida.
1: What brought you down here?
2: Um, my stepdad was going back to get his degree, so he wanted to do that in Florida. Cool. I actually, fun fact, moved once a year since I was like thirteen or fourteen.
1: No way. Yeah. Do you have a yearbook?
2: A yearbook. Like, have you ever
1: been, like, have you ever been in a school long enough to get? an an entire yes but
2: i have lots of yearbooks from lots of different schools (laughs) great okay great
1: see i asked because i've never actually owned a yearbook because i never felt like i've been there long enough to like be in any photos or anything because i actually moved around a lot not nearly as much as once a year i can't imagine though i i feel for that
2: you just get used to it you do get used to it yeah Yeah. you can just start over you're a brand new person every year
1: ah yeah so so we have no idea this could be a completely new iteration of you Mm. This one with the Florida Jess is completely completely different Jess. Right? You can't have have your Florida friends talk to your Missouri friends. That's true. Mm, It's like, don't be thrown by my British accent. (laughs) 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 So I want to jump into the Dirty Rotten Church Kids aspect of the pool here. Are you a church kid?
2: Were you a church kid? I know that's
1: a loaded question. Were slash are you a church kid? Why or why not? Go. Mm,
2: Here we go. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I was a church kid, but because I moved around so much, we didn't really belong to a specific church. So it was more like my family was very much church and evangelical, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I've like been in church for a while, but never like hung around in one church for long enough to be connected to a church. I've never been like burned by a church because I've never been there long enough well, yeah, to be burned yeah. by it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're always just the new kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I have a very interesting interaction with like church and church culture, because I'm just far enough removed to where I was never just like drowning in it, but it's also ingrained in my family.
1: That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you're yeah. the first that it's like you, you're you in it culturally and socially, mm-hmm. But you were never, like, so embedded in it that you necessarily, I don't know, maybe you didn't feel particularly wounded in any specific way. If, if things got weird, did you were just like, you're like, whatever. Yeah, like, I'm I mean, out of you here. were
2: just gone by that point. Yeah. Things got weird, and you're like, oh, well, that's okay, because the lease is up, so we're going to go somewhere else.
1: <laughs> that's so <laughs> interesting. That's very, that's very different. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine, like, the, the church kid in me is like, ah, oh, you you dodged a bullet. You, you saved yourself from all the pain and heartache. But I imagine... Never having being kind of adjacent to a church community comes with its own struggles. Could you yeah. speak to that
2: no yeah, it definitely does you I've had to think very independently, especially because a lot of my family dynamics I've had to really I've had to ask hard questions about church for a long time, and especially like in my teen years when I'm asking hard questions about everything I know nothing when I think I know everything um so in that sense, I just don't think I ever felt like I fit into a church when I so badly wanted to fit into a church. Mm. And it's just this weird, like now as an adult looking back on it, I'm like, that's cool. You were already developing these skills that a lot of people didn't have the chance to develop. They're developing like in their later years. Um, but it was it was definitely like a lonelier feeling.
0: you have any siblings? Is it, or are you the only kid?
2: Yeah. I have a younger brother, two older stepsisters, and I have a niece that lives with my mom and stepdad. So she's like basically my sister, my yeah. child, my oh. everything. Oh. Yeah, she's amazing.
1: So your family, did were they like intrinsically brought up in the evangelical church? That's why they felt attached to it? Or were they kind of like wanting to be a part of it? Like, what was it that made them want to, like, if you go to a new place, you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to go to church. You can do whatever you want. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's a fresh start. Yeah. What was it about that?
2: Um, It was just, like I said, ingrained in the family culture. My mom is one of six kids. So she grew up in, like, that kind of a dynamic. Sure. Um, And if, if I remember correctly, I believe my grandparents on her side were Catholic originally, and then they became Baptist. And so just, like, rules Lots of rules, lots of grids, feeling very safe within grids. Sure. Yes. If it
1: feels good, stop.
2: Mm, yep.
1: Got it. Got <laughs> it. So what we do here, and I say we do here as if we always do it. We literally did it once last time. <laughs> so we have a new segment that we're introducing, and it's a segment where um, followers, on friends on social media, we call them the bad apples, they submit questions, and then I picked one question and I figured we could unpack it and we could talk about it and if it segues seamlessly into the conversation even better like we did it on purpose just like we did it on purpose so what we're doing now is a new segment I like to call bad apples good questions bad Bad apples apples. good questions Bad. that's a good question questions but that's a bad apple (laughs) mmm
0: That's a good, good question.
1: question. But oh. ew, I wish this apple wasn't so bad. Okay, man. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Synchronized. This question is from Ben Wooten. He is he he told us he is a Florida idiot just like we are, and he is currently located in Chicago. Okay? So here's his cool. question. <clears throat> when you visit a new church, what makes you want to stay and or want to run away? Mm. Mm, here we go let's see how much time we have (laughs) (laughs) so I mean you uh, I know Jess you have been to enough churches that you probably have experienced a broad range of churches
3: yes so Mm -hmm.
1: and I imagine as you experience things you develop your own preferences and taste and then as you become more in tune with like your own internal like spidey sense Mm -hmm. I'm sure you kind of feel like this is kind of whack Mm -hmm. Um, so how do we do this how do we start with the thing that make you want to stay we'll Mm. go around and then we'll flip the switch and go the things that want to make you run away. Cause, that, <laughs> Lord knows I. Oh God. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go. Things that make you want to stay. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, what catches me first is like the earnestness of the people mm. when they're they're greeters. When the people greet you, like they're like not just happy that they're there, but the happy that I'm there. I feel okay. That's like the first box you checked. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, if their music. Well, that's I'm not gonna ever like the music. If I can find a church that I like the music of, then I have to move to that state because <laughs> I haven't found it in Florida yet. Um, but a reason I would stay, I mean, I don't have to 100% agree with what is being spoken, but I don't want it to be the same thing I've heard a thousand times. I and I want it to be something that's applicable to like everyday stuff, like now in like 2020. Mm-hmm. So if I'm hearing an old sermon that I've heard a thousand times, I'm like. Eh but now i'm drifting off the reasons why i leave god damn it! so <laughs> stay good focused. Oh, good sermon sorry <laughs> i gotta stay positive uh good sermon that's engaging um and a good a good kids ministry i have two kids mm. and if they love yeah. it then it's awesome for me cool but what it makes uh, a good
1: sermon what makes a sermon good other than just being something you haven't heard before
0: um that it's it doesn't talk down to you ah. doesn't use like like stand up comedy lines to open hey, this one time like i know you didn't wrestle a bear dude that's not real you're not will ferrell in that that basketball movie like i want it to be relatable and something i'm like okay i can i can take something away from that or it's challenging or thought provoking if everyone in the room is agreeing then it's not a good sermon mm. if if my wife and i drive home we don't talk about it and like that then it sucked nice um so something that just kind of yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. What's so your thing,
1: so your positives all right, so the positives um I agree with you it it didn't matter to me until I had kids, <clears throat> but going to a church where the like the the space for children feels warm, mm-hmm. it feels like professional and kind of clean like yeah. I've been to some like churches and we are church planners, so like I know like that it's hard to like make sure everything is clean and make sure yeah. everything feels professional, and I know it's it takes a lot of effort, so when I see a a church that has a good space for my kids that is like clean and professional and my kids feel safe, that immediately goes, that means you care about what you're doing. And so I, I look at that as a metric to how well they are approaching the rest of So it's like the if you church. go to a pizza
0: place and you don't order the supreme pizza, you order the cheese or the pepperoni because they do those things That's well. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. They do everything else well. Totally. That's really well
1: put. Um, as far as, oh God, here's the thing. Positive. Positive. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take it and I'm going to make this positive. So I appreciate when people do not overcrowd my bubble. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a person is like, they are kind and they're warm, but they don't necessarily like follow, you to your follow seat me to my keep seat to and they sit down and they like kind of like laser lock eyes into my soul. And like, so I appreciate if they kind of give me some space to process because I'm a yes. processor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also appreciate oh god is it bad that i had to think about things that i like makes you want to stay at a church um you know what i like it when and i say this because there's a church that i really appreciate and value that does this and i'll I'll tell it's heart way i appreciate and value Mm. is that they are very much it's very expressed that like we're grateful that you're here and whether or not you're here is not Contingent upon whether we will love you, appreciate you, or whether Mm -hmm. God loves you. Um, I think because I have so much weird, like, affiliation with... You have to be there. Yes, my physical presence Mm -hmm. in this seat is directly correlated to how much I know and love God. So when it's articulated that, like, you are here and we treasure you, but you don't have to be here, it just makes me feel that much more seen and appreciated. Cool. Jess. How about you, Jess?
2: So what makes me stay... um, is when the sermon touches on mental health related things. Mm -hmm. Not so much that pastors have to be like mental health experts, but the fact that you acknowledge and have some sort of an idea that mental health is in church and it is in the Bible and like in our world. If you can acknowledge that and I can feel that in a sermon, that's great. And also um, I like to take a look at how a church kind of helps their community outside of their mm, church. Wow, okay. And specifically how every church helps mm-hmm. air quotes helps yeah. the outside community, but are, how are you actually going about that and are you going about it in a way that's like sustainable and actually helpful instead of just like look at what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's,
1: it's like, like a, a social media post. Right. Yes. So it's not just like
3: like
0: mission passing trips. out water bottles at like a no. thing. I, I was yeah. I was a mission trip kid, dude. <laughs> how dare you (laughs) ma'am Ma'am, oh my god very formal very quickly
1: nice no but yeah yeah that's really good i didn't think about that one Mm -hmm. so do you guys want to keep round robin and pivot now let's just talk about let's just shit no we're not gonna shit on it no i'm not gonna shit on it you can shit on it no No. uh no what is the what are some things that you see and you experience if
0: if someone just if someone's saying something you don't like it shouldn't be shitting on shitting implies a large amount
1: of something like a large amount of hate on a thing—that's shitty oh, on something. Okay, okay. I'm just gonna be honest. So, can we have some I sort like of that. body excrement gradient where you're like, "Yes, mm. we're just tinkling." Yes, we're. Just, I'm just gonna. Much better phrasing. I'm not gonna. I should stop. <laughs> yes, it's late. I agree with you, when I, when I
0: quickly took it back. Um, I mean, things that I don't like. I mean, I mentioned the music. To, and to me, it's not just not anything against the musicians. To me, it's musically boring. Um, like the chord changes are boring. Uh, I really enjoy music that like uh, I have to engage with and follow something and uh, worship music doesn't do that. It's all very very basic and the and the lyrics are basic. What really just makes me question if the worship leader and the pastor are having any conversation about anything is when the theology from the songs does not line up whatsoever <laughs> with the theology that the guy is speaking <laughs> on like this you are yeah. t- on two completely different sides of the whatever coin. Mm-hmm. Um I'll only do one more cuz I can go on for a long time. Um, I don't know, it's, it's sort of what the opposite of what you said, where the first question, either that they ask me after they shake my hand or as I'm walking out, hey, can we see you next week? I'm like, fuck, I, I just sat through your thing for two hours. I don't have my kids yet. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that guilt that, that my wife and I get for either not going to mass with her family, which we've never done, or not going to the church with my family, which my kids love, I just, I, that's, the the sermons are just rough, man. It's very, basically the opposite of everything I liked. It's just very blah. And his facts that he quotes in the, the, what's the word? Uh, stats that he quotes. I can look up and disprove him within mm-hmm. five seconds of a Google search. So you mean like sermon illustration data? Oh my God, dude, like that? Okay. No, I'm like, uh, no, I can hold my <laughs> phone from the back. But yeah, it's just, um... Yeah, I really enjoy people who who are in it, who are into the music, whether I don't like it or not, but I can tell. It's kind of that feeling you get um, when, I don't know if you guys experience this, uh, but you walk out of your bedroom and you know something happened in the house. Mm-hmm. Like either your siblings in the kitchen with your parents like, oh, what the, did I just walk into? If I'm walking to a church, I'm like, this feels like, the air feels stagnant. Ah. Like mm-hmm. th- we should, you guys should be worshiping. Like and if I, if I get that weird vibe from it, like sure. nah, 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 I'll sit here to placate everyone, but nah, I'm not having fun. Got it. So
1: yeah, that was, that was, a short end of that. I like it. Nice. Go ahead. Tinkle. So right, I'm gonna tinkle. Right, here we go. <laughs> Zip. No, stop. <laughs> oh Bro, my God. Stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> you pervert. Um, so <laughs> Jesus. So I don't, you, you don't have like a... Jesus <laughs> in the church. <laughs> Jesus is the first. <laughs> That's <thing>. my main <laughs> problem with the church. Like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my wow, okay. god! Okay, okay. Well, Jess? well now that I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Next, and that's episode ten, baby, baby. Uh, so, I don't have a problem if a church is hip. I think there's a lot of shitting on like churches trying to be like hip and mm-hmm. cool. I don't have an inherent problem with being hip. I have a problem when churches think that being peppy is hip. So, hmm. uh, I, I, if I walk up and. I can't tell you why but I get annoyed at like the little signs that churches hold that says like we're glad you're here you can sit with us. It's because it just feels kind of like you're waving like a like a sign at like a like a concert or something and it just feels like too cheerleaderish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I come in and I and the the service happens and I can tell whether I like it or not if the guy that comes in that does announcements like fucking moonwalks onto the stage Like throws t-shirts out And was like What's up guys Let's give it No come on let's hear it again Come on Was that some great If they're like too If there's like too much energy Can I I poke into that more Yeah yeah Why Why do you not like that Probably because I'm a miserable person Okay (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) No I (laughs) I think for me it's like I have no problem with positivity Mm -hmm. I have no problem with energy Right Like wake us up It's Sunday morning But I think If it's like I feel I can sense or I can feel a veneer, and so if someone is like overly peppy, I get turned off. And it's not just that way at church; I think it's in general. Mm-hmm. Like if I meet somebody who is like everything's great, everything's perfect all the time, I just kind of like this is just kind of turns me off. I think even more to that,
0: to kind of take your thing, like they're just missing the reverence of what this, you call this a worship session and you're approaching the God. Sure. should be a little bit more reverent, I think.
1: Yeah. And I'm not saying that they need to like come in like, like swinging, like, uh, like chains with like smoke coming out of it, you know, like coming down the middle aisle wearing robes and stuff. But I think if it's like just taking itself and if it's taking itself too like happy and to swing the pendulum actually is if I think if, if they take themselves like too serious, that's also kind of this weird. Yeah. And you know what it is? As I'm, kind of verbalizing it, I think it's, I believe that we are kind of everything. Like we're equal parts heavy and light, which I always say, like that's what the podcast is about. Mm -hmm. And like, and we are equal parts heavy and light. And so I think if I see something that is leaning too much, like everything's perfect, look how beautiful and and perfect everything is. I'm like, that's not genuine. And if it feels like they're taking themselves way too seriously, I'm like, Mm -hmm. lighten up Mm -hmm. and lighten up. Like it's all, it's all going to be okay. Cool. That's good yeah that looks how about you jess
2: so i'm actually gonna second almost everything you just said you're gonna
1: echo it yes that's how that's how we do it in uh, christian speak mm-hmm. i'm just gonna echo mm-hmm. what to echo his silent prayers we just echoed i'm just gonna, just echo. Silent I'm just gonna prayers. echo their echo sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you i'm an asshole
2: well yeah but anyways <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's why she's on the
2: podcast <laughs> the best um So I also, this is also just why, part of the reason why I don't go to church in general and why I've always struggled with church is because I also do not, I don't like to be greeted. I don't really want, like, I don't like a million eyeballs being like, hello, hello, Mm -hmm. welcome to the church. Oh, hi. And then the absolute worst is when I've like made it through all the greeters. I've made it through all these people because there's so many greeters. Just greeters in the parking lot, greeters. Like, you're in your car, and people are, like, waving at you, making eye contact. You're just like, my goodness.
1: Are we sure? Oh, right? They're, they're, like, wiping, they're <laughs> like, wiping your windshields. Like, please stop. Please, please stop.
2: And then there's greeters in the parking lot, greeters at the door, greeters before you enter in the sanctuary, and then you finally get your seat, and you're like, I made it. And then someone walks up to you. You've already sat down, and they're just like, hey, you must be new. And I'm just like, my goodness. Yeah. just trying to sit here in peace and, like, be by myself, because mm-hmm. I'm more introverted. I'm, like, half and half. Yeah, I'm half and half, but when I'm in public in large crowds, I like to be in the back. Yeah. I'm always a back row sitter everywhere I go, so I just don't want to be bothered. I get it. Yeah. I totally get
0: What's it. What's kind of ironic is uh, when we were doing church planning, one of the, like, the things that we were told, like you had to have greeters walk people from the moment they stepped oh on campus Ooh, to no, their no, no. seat. That's well, funny you say that. You read my mind. I, I was just going <laughs> to say we, that. We both went through the same thing, dude. <laughs>
1: So I I was taught that um, a person knows in the first seven minutes whether they're going to come back or not. And that um, statistically, a person feels the most welcomed if they're greeted like five times between the moment they walk up to the moment they sit down. So like... You, you talked about all this thing. I'm telling you right now, it's strategic. Like, it's, it's it was an intentional move.
2: I bet, yeah. Where
1: it's like, if you have someone who's by the parking lot, yeah. and you have somebody who's by mm-hmm. halfway between the parking lot and the door, and then someone by the door, and then someone by, like, the book stand or whatever. Yep. Totally intentional. Um, And I don't give a fuck. For all the best in purpose, sure. I'll give you the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt. But to your point, it can very much feel alienating to people who are naturally introverted. Like yes. your attempt mm-hmm. at being welcoming and hospitable actually makes me want to retreat further yep. into myself. <laughs> and that, yeah. that, That's, it's kind of
0: assuming that everyone wants to be agreed like that. And so if you continue to do that, the people you mm-hmm. attract to the church are the people who like that and just continue to do that. And it's just wow. like, yep. like well, eventually yeah. the church just become yeah. one type or one church will become a certain type of person because that's how mm-hmm. they condition them. That's Five a great times. point. You be... I just want to see someone, like, as I'm driving up, start like, running at my car, waving at me. I'm like, <laughs> and I keep driving away, and they just keep following me, like Moe's in the office, and he's running by their car, like, waving at him. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, it's just so, a funny I'm visual. number six. <laughs> yeah. I'm the sixth Hello. <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. Yeah. That's a really good yeah. question. That was a good question. Thank you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Thank, I Thank you. I appreciate it. That was really good. So I want to go ahead and jump. I have so many questions. Yes. Because we touched on the theme of mental health, with Imani, whom we mm-hmm. all know and love. Uh dearly yep. so dearly. There you go. See, Amani gets so much love. I was just saying to you as you we mm-hmm. as you were here, as you we were setting up, that like every person that hears of Amani Giverts that knows Amani Giverts loves Amani Giverts Yes, it's kind of yeah. you, know, you don't you can't just casually she like her. She's, she's like out. everyone's aunt. She she really is. She's everyone's <laughs> she favorite, is, like yeah. cool traveling photographer uh, aunt. Like, Shh, aunt. like Shh, don't tell your mom, but here's some scotch, mom liquor. <laughs> yeah, I'm seven. It's like you want some presents from Bali? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yes. That's that's you. We love you, Amani. Uh, yep. uh-huh. And so we touched on the topic of of mental health and we touched on it from a perspective of somebody um who appreciates it because it's something that they have gone through and continue to go through but not from the perspective of an actual of an actual practitioner practitioner like Mm -hmm. an actual professional
3: yeah
1: so i want to ask you what was it about that form of like therapy that like why why would you even want to go into that field
2: it's a great question thanks (laughs) (laughs) um so it's been a long journey I also had my own mental health struggles I've been in and out of therapy since I was young very young um and I through that process I became familiar with it and saw how much changed my life and how instrumental it was at making me the human I am today I'm still in therapy mm-hmm. I still have a therapist um I will forever have a therapist because I just love therapy so much um But what really made me like go to school and like do all of that stuff is because I find the human brain so fascinating and I am so fascinated, especially if you think about it from like a Christian perspective, God created every single person. And so it's just so fascinating to see God's creation, if you want to label it that way and what it does, Mm. what it's capable of, what happens when it malfunctions, what happens when things just like aren't working properly. So it's just very fascinating. To think of that.
1: I like that. What's crazy you say that is I was going to ask about that is I think growing up evangelical, I never really thought about like the brain. Like I thought about the mind, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is like a much more like, Hmm, it's like a holier word yeah, Mm, and it's something you have Uh to keep pure you know but I haven't thought about it (laughs) like clinically the way just the way Mm -hmm. you said it you said like it can malfunction and that's such an interesting perspective it's like seeing it from a bird's eye view Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's not something that we really were brought up talking about and and I think what's interesting and it's
0: mental health is very hard to ignore nowadays Mm -hmm. and I don't know maybe because I'm more aware of it but it seems like in the past couple years it's something that has been more normalized and, and then like the speaking of it mm-hmm. and what a therapist is. Like my dad worked on that side um of of doing therapy and stuff for um he, he worked in the prison system for a bit doing that. So I, I was mm. kind of new of it from there. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like that mental health is a part of the it. it's like mental health awareness. There's like people running campaigns selling T shirts. It's it's very much everywhere. Yeah. Um so I'll ask you the question, why do you think it matters? Because if we People for years, I mean, therapy hasn't, I mean, I don't know everything, but it hasn't been around since the beginning of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but why now? Why, why does therapy matter? Why do you think it's
1: important for us to understand the mind? And why is it coming to the forefront? Yeah. We're seeing more than ever, it seems like. Speak for the entire uh, therapeutic mm-hmm. community. Go Here we t- go. <laughs> <laughs> I am
2: the spokesperson for therapy. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, I think what, okay. So there's like a lot in that question. Let me start with um, why now? Mm -hmm. I think people, as we are just becoming more evolved, I think we're just understanding more. Even in the the therapy community, we are barely scratching the surface of what your brain is actually capable of and what's actually going on in there. For so long, it's just been symptomatic. It's been just like, these things are going wrong in your world. So we're just going to say, do this, do this, do this, and be fine. And it's not until recently where people are actually, like, looking into the brain, learning about neurotransmitters, learning about, like, all sorts of things that actually affect your emotions, your lifestyle, your mood, and noticing how it's, like, all connected. So I think the now is just simply that we are, like, learning more about ourselves and about people. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, it can't be ignored when you start to ask hard questions about people. And, like, why are you doing this? And, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would someone kill someone? Mm -hmm. Or why do people fall in love? Like... All these questions, Mm. you can't – you just can't ignore the brain. It's like
1: asking the why. It's like there's a kind of peeling it back and going, well, why Mm -hmm. is this happening? That's interesting.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then the why does it matter? Um, I think people, again, are just becoming more and more aware. And I think people are just realizing that they – there's like another option besides what they've been living in. And they're – you – just because you're on a path doesn't mean you have to stay on that path. You can go mm. and create a different path, wow. or you can go find another path, and people are owning that more and more and trying to make some changes.
1: I love that answer. That's mm. a really good Wow. Good. I'm cool. so glad you're on the show. Oh. So <laughs> you said something earlier, because you said that something that makes you attracted to the ethos of a church is that they talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience to the contrary? mm can you talk about that.
2: Yeah. So, mental yeah. health is just really not talked about in church at all. Um even still today, um the only church that I've ever experienced is providencia which you guys um had Danny brunches on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yep, mm-hmm. So, that's the only church where I've ever experienced mental health actually like rooted inside of the church body. Like everyone's openly seeing a therapist. They openly refer people to therapy. Um, Keith Case, the pastor, will openly talk about emotions and feelings and all sorts of things just in his sermon. And um, that is – I lost my train of thought. So you said
1: that like – first of all, I thought you said – Keith Case openly talks about his lotions. And I was like, oh, so he's, it's also a skin care uh, regimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Providencia is all about a holistic person. mid-level marketing scheme. From the inside all the way to the outside. <laughs> uh, the silky, silky smooth skin. Because no, so, you said that basically it's like it is a normalized conversation. Yes, exactly. And you said it's not normally that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you had that sort of experience, Josh, too, where it's like it's not something that is, is really talked about? I Yes, the only church
0: I've ever heard that was at Hartway, mm. And it happened to be when Imani was down from Tennessee and she came with us. And Danny was talking about mental health, not like a bullet point in a sermon, but like mm-hmm. the sermon. And Imani was like blown away. And my wife and I were like, that, that was very, very cool. Very contrary. And I think what you said, uh, how um, Keith Case doesn't talk about lotions, but he's emotions <laughs> and
1: feelings. Might still talk about lotions. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for it either way.
0: Um, But the church in my experience is historically very bad about talking about emotions and feelings. Yes. And I think, so even talking about the creation of those things, yes, like where they come from, uh, like yes. we'll pepper your brain, we'll paper it over paper mache it with like a ton of Bible verses and scriptures and answers to all the apologetic questions. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to talk about the root of your emotions, we're not supposed to trust our heart where apparently if Disney taught us anything, where all our emotions come from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I don't think the church and I think Imani said on her podcast, it's, it's always encouraging to hear the church talk about mental health, but I don't think the church is ready to follow up on that no. conversation. Yeah. It's like, Hey, mental health's the thing. Okay. Uh, make sure to be here for the potluck. Like, no, I like yep. uh-huh. I have severe anxiety <laughs> and uh, roast yeah. beef. Ain't gonna help it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's been my experience. It's few and far between. Um, but yeah, that emotions and feelings thing, I think is to me that that connects because the church doesn't talk about that at all. Right. In and- general. So,
2: Yeah. And I like what you brought up because the danger of the church kind of like, quote unquote, talking about mental Mm -hmm. health is that they kind of, I have gotten the sense, especially in today's culture where it is so normalized, that they kind of then own it and they don't really bring in like therapists to like talk. Oh, wow,
3: yeah. Wow.
2: Like I am the pastor who knows a lot about the Bible and I also know a lot about mental health. And it's like, no, you um, don't. For you podcast
0: listeners, which is everyone, her hands are on her hips, and she was doing the little teapot. Dance. That was her impersonation yeah. of most past- pastors. <laughs> I'm
1: a little teapot, and most pastors yes. do a very good teapot kind of vibe. They that's my favorite teapot. communion. Teapot <laughs> he does a teapot, and he pours the wine out of his teapot. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. No, it's but decanter. That, yes, there you go. <laughs> no, but that's so true because like they hold kind of the position of like All they authority. they are the authority yes. figure, yep. and they are kind of like where the conversation starts and ends and I think very rarely is that like outsourced so to speak where you're going hey Mm -hmm. rarely do you go hey I'm me up here am not the expert on this subject and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out into the community or to somebody who is more versed in this particular field Mm -hmm. it's not something you hear
2: about for sure because especially when you do have anxiety let's use that as an example what do they tell you to do
3: Pray. Pray. (laughs) Just
1: pray
2: about it. Pray. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, God. I don't even Mm -hmm. know where to start. Yep. (laughs) Things that (laughs) make make me go away from church. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to the beginning. Back to the question. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I think, you know, Link, you started talking about it. I feel that so much of the messaging around the internal self Mm -hmm. is the body as something that needs to be conquered. Mm -hmm. It's like my feelings and my emotions are, if they are not... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. Thank you. Wow. No. I am a C. I am a C H. I'm very proud I of the that I am C H R I S T A N. And I am C H R I S T M H E A R T. And I will can spell, you can not spell, suck my dick. Sorry, man. That was the Sunday school after dark. That's the little fishy remix. No, so I'm just really proud of it myself. I'm a little Christian,
3: suck my dick. I
1: am so, so... I am in top. You gotta do this
0: when uh. there's sun outside. <laughs> None of us had said anything to drink. This is just fatigue.
1: This is strictly... This the drug this of fatigue.
2: The drug of the Z. that Z,
1: man. It's on that, I'm hopped up on the Z. No, but so like... <laughs> like no, but where? I where I was.
0: So go back on, on the rails. Um, if you can't conquer, you can't master your mind and your body, mm-hmm. it's seen as weakness. Right. Because the body and the flesh is seen as uh, broken and weak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We, I said it before and I'll continue to say it cause I say it to remind myself. We start in chapter one of Genesis where God claims everything is good. And we are very, very good. Mm-hmm. We don't start in chapter three where we're broken. We started in the beginning. We're good. So I believe we're all good. And so, but, but, but there's this stigma. There's like this scent in Christianity where you have to conquer the desires of the flesh and like, if you get into mental health or you dig into anything, it, you have to admit you don't understand it. Yes. I mean, the first part of having a problem is like admitting you have a problem mm-hmm. or there's something affecting you. And that is a huge thing. Well, well you can't conquer anxiety. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not praying enough. You have faith. Mm-hmm. To yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Your faith isn't strong enough. Yep. And so. Completely missing the beautiful and tragic journey you may have in therapy, or you may have in physical rehabilitation, or you may have in recovering from trauma. Like there's beauty and hurt in that. Mm-hmm. That's a journey you can experience. No, fuck it. Conquer your body.
3: Mm-hmm. But th- th- right. I, I
0: just missed out on like 17 chapters in mm-hmm. my life because right. you told me to pray about it for 10 years. Yep. It's just yeah, the conquering thing. That I think that's
1: a big part of it. It's just you have to own it. Yeah. You got to conquer the flesh. And even when you said like one thing that attracted you to mental health and to becoming a therapist in the first place was being able to kind of empower people to know that where they're at isn't where they need to be. Mm. Yep. It's kind of what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if I think about how I was brought up, it's like, if you don't like where you're at, only God can move you from where you want, mm-hmm. where you are to where you need to be. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is, is in the work you're doing, is allowing people to, you're like empowering people and coming alongside people mm-hmm. to kind of change that journey themselves.
2: Yeah. And to kind of touch on what you were saying with conquering your mind, I mean, and even what you're saying about Genesis when like all things are good, all things are good, including your anxiety. Mm. It is not bad. Wow. It is not bad. That emotion is there for a reason. God literally put that in your body, your ability to have that for a reason. That came from him. It did not come from the devil or any other evil thing. It came from God. And there's a reason for that. So that's when you have to say, oh, well, why am I anxious? Oh, okay. Let's go in there and tweak some things and figure some things out. And then boom, there you go. It's like a warning signal. It's like a little like, hey, what's going on? Right. Is something not okay here? It's like naturally put in there by God. So when you tell someone to just like pray about it for God to just like take it away, well, he put it there. So that's why you end up fighting with yourself and Mm -hmm. you end up conquering nothing. And your warning signal just keeps going off and keeps getting louder and louder until you're having panic attacks and you feel like you're having a heart attack But you wake up, not wake up, but you just like come to and realize that you didn't have a heart attack. you were just so anxious.
1: I listened to a podcast, and kind of along the lines of what you said, Jess, I listened to a podcast with Jamie Lee Finch, and she was talking to Michael Gunger, and she said, so she started to refer to her body as her instead of it, which I thought Mm -hmm. was really interesting because she's kind of like, I am because uh, cause she was brought up in a religion and a tradition much like ours which is very disembodied where it's mm-hmm. like my soul is up here and my yeah. body is completely separate yeah. and she said once I started to kind of embrace and love my body as a functioning thing mm-hmm. then I started to pay attention to the fact like hey I'm feeling anxious right now I'm feeling stressed right now or I'm feeling uh, worried or, or, or and are or troubled and it's my body telling me something is happening
3: yes. that I need to pay mm-hmm. attention
1: to and yep. and like Danny Brun just said, to be curious about and to mm-hmm. kind of and like use it to kind of poke around. And I think we were always taught that kind of like to to, to maybe just kind of patch over the symptoms. And I think kind of what you said, we're growing mm-hmm. through just like, it's not just about quote, getting rid of taking something or doing something to just stop all anxiety, mm-hmm. but it's trying to kind of burrow further and kind of dig down to like the cause of that.
2: Yeah. And what's embedded in church culture is that we have all the answers. Yeah. We have a big book with all the answers, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's no need for curiosity here. You have the answer.
0: It never says anxiety in the Bible. so it must Right, be
2: so it, it it's, just it's doesn't not exist. Not it's, I bind mm-hmm. that spirit. Yeah. <laughs> have
1: you ever had a spirit bound? <laughs> like a leather That's book? really, I haven't heard that in a very long time. <laughs> so I grew up Pentecostal, man. Holy shit. Man. Mm. So we bound spirits wow. on the reggae.
2: That sounds like a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of it's a lot of work. That's really a it requires a lot of, of twine <laughs> to bind a sounds spirit. It's like a very <laughs> spiritual version of Pokemon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I bind you, Pikachu.
3: <laughs> 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 <it sounds> like... <laughs>
0: oh, Dang. that's unbelievable. But but I, I was thinking about this when you when you were when you were talking about that, Adrian. It's and then trying to figure out why it's become more of a widespread conversation now. Mm-hmm. Specifically within our age range. And we always get called snowflake or you're being a pansy. Why? Like there's a lot of dismissiveness that goes along with it. But I Mm -hmm. think for all the student debt we've incurred and all the jobs we can't get, Mm -hmm. we are at a very privileged part of our lives where we don't really have to worry about where our food's coming from. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we have a job and we're busting our ass, I mean for the most part, we have a roof over our head right right now. Um, so we have this ability to kind of go, okay, this is taken care of, I have food, I have clothes, these needs are met. And now I can actually focus on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me that, that, dawned on me. I think that's why it's become more prevalent is because now we have time.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
0: our, our life is pretty automated and pretty easy, at, at least in the West, um, to where we have that privilege of just being, okay, mental health is something I can focus on now where back in the day or even people now and other, other countries don't have that. I mean, if you're an immigrant trying to get over that
1: shitty wall Trump's building, yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't have time to worry about your anxiety. Yeah. right. Um, so and, yeah. That, and that brings up something interesting, yep. is I think that there is, um, kind of like a like a cool factor to, to or I should say it's kind of characterized into like this sort of cool factor that can be. Potentially detrimental, maybe is the term. Can you talk more about that? What do yeah, you mean cool factor. So, like your right shoulder went up. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. cool factor, you cool know? Cool factor, man. No, so like I think a lot of millennials, more now than ever, are pursuing mental health. Mm-hmm. But I also think with that, there is kind of like a like a it's a privilege, mm, and I think yes. it's not something that everyone uh, is afforded, and I believe everyone should be afforded it. Yes, um, like it's not it's not something that can just anyone can get anywhere mm-hmm. i saw this one like tweet it's like hey um we're a college we're offering some mental health um some some therapists coming in uh, what that's code for is one person for 4 hours a week <laughs> to service 4000 students mm-hmm. and then you have plenty of bathroom stalls to cry in mm. and, and and it's yes. it's but it's indicative of this fact that it's like not everyone has access to this and everyone should yeah mhm You know,
2: the access issue is a major, major issue on so many different levels. Um, And I think at the if you really want to peel down all the layers, the basis for that reason is kind of what you guys already brought up is that meant being able to explore your mental health is a privilege is a huge, giant privilege. If you can't put food on your table every day, if you are barely paying your rent, Mm -hmm. you're not going to. And it's not even that you're not going to be able to think about your anxiety, but your whatever's happening inside of your mind and your body in survival mode is serving a purpose. It is getting you through to the next day. So yeah, you might be anxious when you get home from work, but rightfully so because you just worked a double shift and your kids are running around and the school was calling you all the time because the one kid is getting kicked out all the time and you're having relationship issues. I mean, there's just all these things going on. So your body has to have these anxious tendencies in order to keep up with everything that's going on in your world Mm. so it's serving a purpose and so it's not until you can settle down and have your basic needs met that's when you can really start exploring what is happening inside of you and i saw that all the time um i worked at a group home for human trafficking survivors
1: no way yeah she did wow
2: and This was just the theme. You would take these young girls who were in survival mode and traumatized and just going, 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 and you bring them into this stable house and they couldn't handle it because in the peace and quiet comes all the things Mm. and all the traumas and all the stuff. And so then it becomes too overwhelming and then that's when stuff happens. But
1: How much of that can you dig into? Because that's fascinating to me. I don't want to like make you overshare, but can you talk about that experience? Mm -hmm. How How did that happen? How'd, How'd you did get you, involved with yeah. that? Yeah. how do you find that?
2: <laughs> so that's funny. So I actually proclaimed to everyone that I would never work with human trafficking. Because I, my first realization of it was that movie with Liam Neeson, Taken. Yeah. And I was so traumatized sure. by that movie. I saw it and I didn't even know what was happening. And I came home and I remember talking to my mom about it. And she was like, yeah, that's a real thing. And I just could not believe that that was something that actually happened. It
1: was like your first time being faced with that reality.
2: Yes. So I was just like, I'm never, I can't handle that. Like, I'm never doing it. And then I was getting my master's and I needed an internship. And I was just kind of poking around at places where I could get paid and do my internship at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And this was one of those situations. And so I had my interview and I met with the woman who ran the house at the time and she was amazing and also prior to that I was life just kind of happens in mysterious ways sometimes I was prior to that working um with a non and I was um doing some after-school stuff in um a uh, community in Riviera Beach so I had already been like in a trauma community and kind mm-hmm. of working with kids of that capacity and like Pulling apart fights all the time and just like dealing with the stuff that comes with trauma, yeah. and so I felt confident going into this job. Wow! But it that job was what shaped me as a therapist today. Can
1: you say more about that?
2: Yeah. Um, human trafficking is one of the darkest and most intense types of trauma ever. It is like when you think of like the darkest baddest just like overall consuming it is human trafficking and there's so many layers to it it's so nuanced it's really complex and confusing and it just baffles just the rational mind Mm -hmm. and so i was like learning about trauma kind of in school but i was experiencing firsthand as i'm in school this is my internship i'm not even like graduated from my master's program i'm just in it and I mean, I saw my first, um, I had a girl who was having a flashback. You hear about that, Mm -hmm. or I don't know if everyone does, but I heard it in school of like, oh, when you're traumatized, sometimes you have like intrusive thoughts and flashbacks. And so like, you kind of feel like you're reliving the trauma. So it's like, oh, okay. But not until I saw, like, it was 7 a.m. on a weekend because I worked the weekend shift. And I hear all of a sudden this girl screaming her head off, running down into the office and she's like got her hands over her ears and she thinks she is reliving the trauma in that moment. And there is nothing that can be said or done to pull her out of that. You just have to like, let her get through it and help her know that there's like someone there with her. And so to like see those types of things in action is just, I mean, you kind of see, you see two things. You see how capable people are at survival Mm -hmm. and also how the brain survives trauma, and it does some wild things to survive. Wild so things.
0: So you said that working there, entering there, shaped you as, as a therapist. Mm-hmm. In what ways did it shape you? Like, do you, do you think do you approach things differently because of that, or like how, how did how did it influence you?
2: I just that's why I specialize in trauma okay. is because of that internship, and that I really just saw. Like I'd explained firsthand the symptoms of trauma and kind of like at its worst. Um, and so I just like learned hands on. I got like a hands-on learning experience about trauma. Nice. And it's something that no college course would ever be able to teach me. It's something that I would never be able to learn in a book. Yep. Um I you just you just don't really understand it until you've seen it. And that was like holy shit, the worst of the worst. And so now I have my own private practice and I see clients who are actually very I mean their lives are not perfect but they most of them have like jobs and stable lives and so I'm able now to take from like the worst of the worst and apply it even to this group of people who have experienced really bad things but they have their basic needs met so it's a little
0: so trauma um and I don't want to belittle the experiences of those girls yeah <clears throat> Excuse me, but when you were saying that you relive things, like I even going taking back to church, going to specific churches, and like mm-hmm. a song hits or something, I'm like oh, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Shit. So my, my question to that: Does trauma always have to be a huge thing? Because there's like a, an ER trauma center. Trauma is huge. Right. Like trauma is a big loaded word. Yeah. When I mm-hmm. hear the word trauma, I think like, oh, like, yeah. you, you lost your leg, right. not like you stubbed your toe. Um. So is trauma always a huge thing? Like what 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 is the like, like the definition of trauma that I can understand. Because right now I just think of it as a big thing that happens to you.
2: Yeah. So trauma doesn't have to be a big thing. What mm-hmm. How people kind of discern between the two are like big T and little T traumas. Okay. That's like the best way to describe it. Cool. And so any, like, I truly believe that we weren't, we were created to survive difficult things, but we were not created to live in difficult situations. And so mm. whatever negative experience you have um, can like impact you in a way that big traumas can impact you. It just might not be as severe or it might be, you know, like a feeling of discomfort yeah. versus like a whole... Reliving a situation. Yeah, like yeah. every all body sensations, mm-hmm. like everything is different, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So it's c- kind of like seen on a spectrum. Uh, got it. There's like really big massive traumas and then there's some that's where your body is still affected by a negative circumstance but you can still live and function yeah
0: because i I think it would be good if people and i'm a person so myself included can identify an an issue as traumatic without having to say well i wasn't in this horrible situation but no you're it's okay for you to own that situation and say i was
1: traumatized by this one thing yeah however big or however small it was and i think the dual mind in me my first inclination is to go oh adrian that's that's not trauma yeah. mm-hmm. like suck it up buttercup yeah that's just yeah. that's just a little emotional owie like, like toughen up cowboy mm-hmm. up this is real trauma yeah. and not just like you said like obviously there is such thing as like this devastating horrific mm-hmm. trauma but then i think to negate um a human experience that is still impactful but perhaps um affects you in a different way you can't just write that off i don't think that's healthy to just write it off as like oh that's not correct
2: yeah and even in the sense of how you respond to trauma like after the fact is built upon experiences from just the moment you were born until now so everyone walks around with a core belief Um, and that core belief is usually shaped by your past experiences. So a core belief could be something, um, like I am not safe. And that could be just something that you carry around with Mm -hmm. you everywhere. And so with each experience that you encounter negative and negative or positive, sometimes the negative ones, even though they're like little T's traumas, um, they can still have a huge impact on you because you're carrying around this belief that I am not safe. And so it just like furthers that belief, if that makes sense. So that's your norm. Yes. Mm-hmm. God. That and it kind of norm.
1: undergirds so much of your experience as you kind of move throughout the world. And so these yeah. little things can kind of flare up that particular mm-hmm. kind of message.
2: And that's why I have EMDR as an option in therapy. I don't know if you don't know what that is. Tell is. me. Yes. Uh, School us. Yes. Here we go. So it is a type of therapy that uses bilateral movements. Stimulate both sides of the brain. This is very complex and it's very bizarre, just disclaimer. Um, So, you use bilateral movements to activate both sides of the brain, and that action allows your brain to figure out why something has happened and it kind of like files it in the correct place. So, this is how I like to explain it to people think of your brain as like a series of file cabinets. When you have an experience, your brain has the experience, processes, processes it, and then it puts it in the place where it needs to be in the past. This happened. I learned my lesson. It was a great experience, bad experience, whatever. I put it there. When you experience something traumatic, um, your brain kind of doesn't know what to do with that experience. And so it just kind of floats around in your room of file cabinets, which is why you get triggered because you stumble Mm -hmm. across this like piece of paper, so to say, with like this experience. And it seems to come out of nowhere. And so EMDR allows you to grab that piece of paper, find where it is, and then put it back in the correct spot in the file cabinet. What's
0: so EMDR what does EMDR stand for?
2: Eye movement um, desensitization reprocessing.
1: Jeez, wait, wait, woof, time. Woof. You win. Yes. That's a good Scrabble <laughs> word. So yep. you said bilateral movement? Yeah. What is that? So. Like an example of that.
2: The traditional, how that type of therapy got started is you hold two fingers in the air like you're in the scouts and you move it side to side. Do, 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 do. And your eyeballs follow it side to side, left to right. Um, now they've come out with some other things where you can wear headphones and there's like a beep, 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 oh, one beep in each ear. Sure. Or my preferred way of doing it is someone holds what they we call them tappers. And they're these like black... Things connected to wires and they vibrate so one vibrates at a time left hand right hand left hand right hand
1: so you're feeling it. it's like a mm-hmm. sensory thing yeah just exactly like seeing something separate from you
2: yeah exactly that's so
0: interesting and on the surface level what's the science behind that
2: so the science behind it is very complicated but basically you can kind of cr- like equate it to something like hypnosis so you oh, okay. are accessing like The subconscious brain. Um, But the cool thing, the thing I love about EMDR versus hypnosis is that hypnosis, you go there, you stay there, and then you come out of it whenever you're done. But EMDR, you go there for a couple seconds, and then I bring you back by saying, I stop what I'm doing, and I say, okay, what came up for you? You report back to me, and I'm like, okay, cool, keep going with that. And so then you go back into the back part of your brain, and then you come forward.
1: So are you talking to them while this is happening, or is it...
2: No, I'm quiet. And they're like in the zone as a bilateral movement, whatever it is, is happening. They're silent and their brain is just going. And there's a whole protocol. There's like a whole thing. If I ever have an EMDR session, it's two hours long. Wow. Because there's a whole like protocol you have to follow, like a series of questions that get you to where you need to be to set you up. Sure. And then um, we process it. Whatever memory came up, and then I have to like ground the person and make sure they're stable and good to go. That to is leave the
1: office. That is so fascinating. Holy shit, that's so cool. Because you were talking about something, because you said like you were blown away in your experience with those girls mm-hmm. at what the brain does. I think you said to protect itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you give maybe some other examples of what the brain might do to protect itself? So, like, is that an example of that where they like kind of like file things in certain places
2: yeah so one of something that kind of happens to everyone um and it happens to you more so this is another spectrum thing dissociation so if you've ever like daydreamed or have been like checked out quote unquote or you zone out that's your your brain is kind of like detaching you from the present and it's bringing you almost like up into the clouds so some people feel disconnected um On a very severe level, you can actually like black out. That's why DID or multiple personality disorder, Mm -hmm. as it used to be called, is dissociation identity disorder. And so you actually like detach from the present moment. And at its most severe, there's another something that enters in your place.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: But at the other end of the spectrum you're in math class and you just zone out and you're just like not there but time is going and you might even be taking notes or you might even be driving your car i don't know if you've ever driven your car and like you're in your driveway and you're like how did i get here Mm -hmm. i don't remember like stopping but you just did it your body just like kept going
1: that is crazy Uh, i'm
0: gonna say something excuse me that wasn't my something Uh, this is my something (laughs) um so in my when i was teaching i i taught at a um at a charter school and the at least for the two years the first two years i was there first three years i was there the big thing was um splitting the classrooms by gender so mm-hmm. i had all boys and then uh, like and then there was another classroom all girls so on and so forth and so a lot of the training we had was in uh the different ways boys uh act and think versus girls and so now that you said the daydreaming thing, that was always brought up as, well, boys always go to this thing called the nothing box. And now that you're mm-hmm. saying it, I'm like, that's really kind of a shitty way to kind of dismiss your shitty teaching practices. <laughs> if your students are checking out, he's a boy. He's in his nothing box. <laughs> and so what was really kind of jerky was we'd uh-huh. have these really dumb meetings. And if anyone that I worked with listens to this, which I don't, I don't think they do, they, like our meetings sucked. <laughs> minus this one sexual harassment video that was filmed in the 70s that we watched every year, nice. which is the highlight, uh, everything was really boring. So I would continuously check out. They go, hey, Josh, when you're nothing box," I'm like, oh my, that's, wow. that hurts. Yeah, But I'm a guy, so I can't show emotion. I have control over my body. <laughs> uh, I've conquered, conquered the flesh. I've conquered the flesh. No, but you said that, that daydreaming thing, Like that was definitely a lot of my college was just mm. not knowing why I was there and just gone. And then the bell rings like, oh, shit, I got to go. Mm-hmm. That's very
3: yeah. that's very very interesting. So, the
0: EMDR stuff is that that sounds so cool. It sounds new agey and old witchy enough. It does sound witchy. Oh, yeah. for sure, yes. <laughs> but it so makes it feels sense witchy because, when you're in it. Because if you ever, who was I talking to this about with? Ah, shit, someone I don't know who was. You weren't that important. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's such a big thing to say. Um, we were talking about just the practice of prayer and its prevalence in most religions mm-hmm. and so i said i think maybe just because sitting in silence is just a good thing like mm-hmm. giving your brain time so i think the same thing with emdr giving your brain something to focus on um and pete holmes says that in his book like and, and ram das talked about it a lot too you repeat these mantras in your head to give your functional brain something to focus on mm-hmm. so you can actually like being the subcult- subculture that's where Nick works that your husband <laughs> works for coffee the subconscious mind yeah. um, and actually focus on those things yeah that's very interesting
1: this episode of Dirty Rotten Church Kids is brought to you by Eternal Confidence which is a series by Homesick Productions that is currently on YouTube It is a documentary-style video series that explores belief structures and spiritual worldview. The interviews talk with people from all walks of life and perspectives and challenges you as the viewer to engage your own. Eternal Confidence is currently in its second season, and I've been checking out this episode that is called, What is the Christian Subculture? Um, That's definitely something that I grew up in, and I think in a lot of ways, uh, it's really thought-provoking. We're going to leave a link down below in the show notes. If you check it out, please be sure to leave a comment saying the Dirty Rotten Church Kids sent you. Now, on with the show. I want to talk about what the brain does in relationship to... um, like being a Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I don't know, have you ever experienced, have you had conversations with people who some of their trauma is driven or maybe caused by religious experiences or that's not something you've directly interacted with?
2: All the time.
1: Really? Can you talk All about the that? Time.
2: Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, aside from the fact that just well, in particular, so my scope is trauma, like my large scope specialty mm-hmm. is trauma. But if you zoom in, sexual abuse is like oh, wow. my yep. specialty. Wow.
3: So, so fascinating. yeah,
2: so because of that, I there's a lot of like sexual abuse that just goes just ignored or unspoken or people just don't know how to handle it. And so in the church, there is a issue with finding or discovering a perpetrator and Mm. not reporting it because you don't want anyone to know so you just be like just don't come back but you can go somewhere else so then they go find another church and then that church and so you just kind of like bounce around from church to church just like harming people and no one does anything about it right so that's a really big thing that happens um but i think the biggest hurdle that I encounter in my sessions with people, especially people who grow up in like white Christian church culture, is this denial of negative emotions. Holy shit. Yeah. You just can't. They've just developed such a severe disconnect that there's all this stuff that ends up happening physically in their body and people just don't know what to do with it. People don't know why their heart is racing. People don't know why... um, They can't get out of bed in the morning and it's just ignored. It's just pray about it. It's just, well, but something must be wrong with you or, you know, look at all of us. We're all happy, Mm. (laughs) which ha ha ha. That is a joke. But Uh, yeah, so it's just like a denial of negative emotions and negative experiences. That's the biggest hurdle.
1: I wow, that's really powerful. And that rings true to a lot of my experience. So Mm. I, I just started going to a therapist actually, and Mm. it's fast. I'm 30 years old and I just started doing it. And I'm like, where has this been? (laughs) And I've only been a few times. And I was thinking back why I haven't gone sooner and I'll share. And maybe this is something that you could speak to is that a lot of my kind of trauma or the frustrations and issues that I have are derived from my relationship with my family Mm -hmm. and I never wanted to go speak to a counselor because the only place I thought of that had counselors was church Mm -hmm. because like a pastor is a counselor aren't they you know like in my mind like (laughs) Mm -hmm. a pastor is the counselor and so I felt like if I went to and again I'm assume, I'm projecting this. There's I'm sure that this is not necessarily the case, but I'm in my mind I felt like if I went to a counselor at my church mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, the frustrations I'm having or the trauma I've experienced is from like my, my parents or my family, they would go, I hear you, but the Bible says to honor your father and mother. Yes. As Christians mm-hmm. we need to pursue reconciliation. And I was so afraid that my issues would be kind of glossed over because that has always been my experience. Mm -hmm. I was like, I would rather not even go because I don't even want to hear you tell me that because I know that already. Like my guilty, loyal soldiers already saying that. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I didn't want them to reinforce that. Mm -hmm. That's something you've kind of experienced.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, because again, people in the church just don't acknowledge negative and even like dysfunctional systems And the grids that are, like, put in place by church are just put in place to kind of, like, have really quick answers of just very dismissive, very much like, we're not actually hearing what you're saying. We're just telling you to, like, go do this thing because the Bible says this and, like, get out of my office. Yeah. And so you're not actually saying even, like, okay, maybe you are a teen with a bunch of angst and maybe your parents are very kind, loving people and you as a teenager just can't stand them. You're not even asking the why. You're Mm. not actually getting to, like, why is this happening to you? like what is going on underneath is it something physically in your brain is it some experience that you had that you actually haven't ever talked to your parents about and that you keep denying and pushing and pushing and pushing and stuffing to the point where you even forget you had that experience and here you are as a teenager
0: acting out. yeah for all the talking the church does of the place for imperfect people like this place is a hospital like there are no perfect people here i'm like you all sure as hell act like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like what you said, like to build you up, Adrian, you're not projecting. Right. Like that's yeah. just how, anytime you or I brought anything up in any church we ever worked in, whether we were working there together or separate in different churches, it was always that, well, oh, yeah, just, you're just young.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, then
0: fuck me, dude. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's and it, like to get to the why of the angsty teen, like, I want to get to the why of why the church is just. Like you said, those grids are set up. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not set up to meet that need. No. Um, and and Danny Brun just said it on on, uh, on the, the episode eight. He said the the church is answering all like the wrong questions. Or what? What do you say? They're answering
1: questions that no one's asking. Yeah. Like yeah.
0: the church is so far behind the curve. Like no one gives a shit about the Sabbath,
3: dude. <laughs> like I'm having a panic attack in your pew.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's just so much missing the mark, and then. Um, these church statisticians wonder why millennials and everyone else is leaving the church in droves in, they're going to, they're finding other ways to cope, mm-hmm. whether that's healthy ways or just really destructive ways. Yes. But mm-hmm. the church isn't offering that answer and isn't being the example of Jesus or whatever religion you want to follow, uh, being example of, of a peaceful person and, and how to achieve that through just silence and meditation and Leaving all questions on the table because they're all valid and all experiences are valid. They're like, up oh, you're this is a program, clap, give us your money, shake you at the hand to the door, chase you to the car, shake your hand to the car, <laughs> chase you home. I'm like <laughs> Tuck you in bed. <laughs> if I, I, I really feel that if a few tweaks were made to like the way the church functioned, it would, and this was said a lot in church to revolutionize. One, the attendance and the impact of the church.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Could I ask you your opinion on something? And I feel like because you're a classic DRCK like us, I feel like I know the answer, but I just want to hear your perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to somebody who I told this person that I was going to therapy and this person's like, I go to a great therapist and they said, um, the therapist actually goes to my church. And I expressed a little bit of what I expressed to you. I was like, you know, my fear is that they would make it really religious and this person with all the best intentions was like, well, what I love about her is she always just brings me back to what does the Bible say? And she just always brings me back to like, what does the Bible say about this? And I felt so like viscerally, mm-hmm. like grossed out, like really, yeah. sl- I'm like, oh God, mm-hmm. no, fuck that, fuck right. that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess my question for you is like, is there a role? And if so, what is there? Should there be any relationship between the, the faith of a particular therapist practice or not? And if there is... What's a healthy balance? I know it's loaded.
2: It is loaded, but it's so good. So I am going to preface this with my experience, and then I'm going to enter into my professional, like what I do professionally with all of that information. Um, So my dad is gay. And so growing up in the church with your father who is Mm. gay that just doesn't create a lot of warm fuzzy feelings and so I would go see Christian therapists air quotes around that who would I had one woman literally open a Bible in front of me and pull out scripture as to like what made my father essentially like damn to hell
1: shut the front was your door. father in the room
2: no wasn't worse. What's he What? But so there's, so I, I have that experience <sighs> yeah. in my back pocket mm-hmm. and I was very, very young. And even at that age, I remember thinking, mm, no, <laughs> yeah. this is not, this is not what I need. And, um, so fast forward into now who I am and how I even reconcile with, I mean, my background in faith and you can either be a Christian therapist and you can advertise yourself as such, and you you're air quoting, by the way. I want people I, sorry, to know. Yep, air quoting. I love it. I love it. I want
1: people to know that you're air quoting.
2: <laughs> you can advertise yourself as a Christian therapist, and that's fine because, like from the get, you're just letting people know, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is my background, and this is what I believe needs to be in the therapy session. That's someone else's perspective and opinion, and respect that. Um, my personal opinion is that I have seen trauma so mishandled in the church and i have seen church in fact continue trauma and do nothing with it and so i don't believe i personally never bring christianity in the session unless it's to relate to my client unless that's where the background my client comes in and they just in order to help relate what I'm trying to say to their experience, I'll use Christian lingo. I'll like do all that stuff, or I'll say pray instead of meditate, stuff like that, so that's not just such a shock to the system. Sure. Um, but yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah,
1: wow, that yeah. is crazy. You're like a rock star, dude. I've, oh my I gosh. like this conversation <laughs> has been so freaking cool. You're like my hero right now. I like don't even know. Yeah, I, I I'm still stuck I'm on s- the the EMDR
0: the, 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 yeah that and the, the the trafficking thing the group yeah. house that's mm-hmm. and and I don't know if it was you it was it was quite a few people whenever the super bowl comes around the super bowl was down here this year mm. and they talk about that's like one of the most heavily sex trafficked or human trafficked mm-hmm. events ever um i uh, passion conferences did a whole thing where they the red Still X. Do, yeah. What it, mm-hmm. I don't know what it
1: is. It's the end it movement. The yeah, yes. end it movement. Like they're
0: trying to. That's that's great. Um, I don't know. That that just seems to me like just a huge evil
1: that
3: mm-hmm.
0: we can like run at it with our pickaxes, like ah, and try to stab it. But like that, it's it's symptomatic. It's international because there's plenty of. Uh, I think it was last year, 2019, where quite a, quite a few people in the. Um, in the British parliament were found to be running like an underground underage sex ring. Mm. Yeah. And they started yeah. like arresting one after another after another. I'm like mm-hmm. D- what? And like these are like not third world countries. These are first world countries mm-hmm. where they have queens for some reason. Um, but it's just it it seems like something that's so dark ages, very old mm-hmm. like it shouldn't exist in this day and age. That, that, yeah. I'm just I'm just hung up on that. And then you you even working there's nuts. Yeah.
1: And like, like, thank you for doing that. Like, yeah, the the people who do that, like I am such, I don't know, maybe I'm like hyper empathetic or something, but not to say that therapists aren't empathetic. I feel like you have to be empathetic. But for me, like the idea of being faced with that, Mm -hmm. like terrifies me. And I feel like I wouldn't be able to process that. So how do, because I, I, we have a friend who is a detective and he is specifically in the sex crimes division. Mm, like yeah. he is SVU, you yeah. know, like he's mm-hmm. iced tea, right? So like- yeah. uh, and, It is iced tea. <laughs> and he drinks iced tea, which is crazy. Yeah. And so like, and and he was saying, he's like, yeah, like, you know, like I, I, I talked to like my dad because he was a cop and I was kind of like, you should probably put some systems in place for you to be able to process some of the yes. shit that you experience. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like you said, like your body's going to start revealing that there's weird stuff happening Mm -hmm. so for someone like you who you are just as exposed i'm sure like that doesn't just slide off of you no so what are some ways that you try to protect yourself yourself? and Mm -hmm. what are some ways that we as just everyday schmoes who are not therapists can do the same
2: so i was having a conversation with a friend the other week actually about this topic because she um advocates for mental health out of her own journey and her story gained a lot of ground and it became very popular. And she said that people started reaching out to her and she didn't really know what to do mm. with the story she was getting. Um, And she told me, I forget exactly how she phrased it, but basically she said, I don't know how to hear people without putting up a wall to protect myself. And I said, well, I said, as like a therapist, it's not so much about putting up a wall as much as it is taking it in and then putting it right back out. Got it. So I, if I put up walls, I'm not going to receive what you have. So I have to receive it and then have systems in place. Like you're saying to like, let it go. And so that is where self-care comes in. But self, I hate that term because (laughs) it is so overused and so commercialized. Um, But really what I have to do is take a look at every aspect of my life and make sure that it suits me and serves me.
1: Can you give some examples?
2: Yeah. So um, I work out every day. That's like one thing that keeps me like physically in shape and it's just a good release. Um, But even further to that, I listen to what my body needs. So sometimes like I go to this gym that's more kickboxing oriented and so it's very high intense. It's very like I'm just sweating bullets by the end of it. Um, and sometimes I need yoga because sometimes I need more of like a peaceful, relaxing, like spiritual mind body thing as opposed to just like more of a I don't want to say aggressive because it's not aggressive, but just exerting. more yeah, exerting like a lot more energy. More intense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I pay attention to my diet. I pay attention to my sleep. I um, pay attention to my friends. Like who are my friends? I have mm. I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones who I do have are very life-giving to me Mm. and i try not to like you know how i just said i don't really go to church i don't ever force myself to go to church because at the end of the day that sunday service does not serve me what serves me is being at home and like actually taking time to like make dinner for myself or actually just taking the time to like unplug and just either read or like watch tv
1: all of the bad apples that are expangelical are standing up like applauding in, right their, now. Car in, yeah. in their car while they're driving please yeah. be safe. Please car be safe. Stop. 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 it. Please go back to driving there no but that's, no, that's so that's powerful perfect. i one of the things that my therapist told me she's like hey like you are exhausted and it's turning into depression mm-hmm. and i was like articulating some of the things and she's like because she the first the first time she was like why are you here and i said i don't really know i just want to be here and i said and she goes well how do you feel i said i feel like really tired and really stressed and all she said was, like, so how do you f- feel stressed? And I started like weeping. And mm-hmm. as I was talking through my stuff, she was kind of like saying that thing. And she was giving me idea. She was saying, like, you need to start being very attentive to your sleep. You need to start being very attentive to the stress that you're kind of holding on to. And um, one thing I tried doing, and I posted this on social media. So there is this uh, guy by the name of Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this guy? they call him the ice man okay so his whole spiel is that he found it's nuts um but he's like a guy from like iceland or or greenland Mm -hmm. and he uses like this intense breathing practice and like cold showers to somehow help him center himself and like makes him really healthy anyway i thought it was interesting and i found like a guided breathing meditation that he does and i laid down and His whole thing is like, you're going to breathe circularly there as deep as you can and exhale as hard as you can without stopping just this constant in constant out. And you're going to do that for a certain amount of time. And I started doing it. And as I was doing it, I started weeping, Mm -hmm. like just breathing in and breathing out. And it felt like when you're, when you were a kid, when I was a kid and I would cry and try and talk, I'm like, I (laughs) just want to, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I feel like my body was like, snapping into this thing and I just I was like just crying and crying and I couldn't explain why mm-hmm. but so what you're saying this idea of like you kind of we tend to kind of hide these things and kind of gloss over them and then if you give your body permission to like speak to you in mm-hmm. a way like you kind of find like holy shit there's some stuff happening that I need mm-hmm. to pay attention to and, yeah. and that is very like listening to the body is very counter to
0: anything the church talks about 100%
2: and
0: so much of the kind of like uh, when I, when I left working at a church, I felt like someone had just put me back on a record that the whole world has been running on, and I got put on the record I'm like, Oh, I can't keep up with all this shit because all this shit's hitting <laughs> mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like it's you kind of finally throw the brakes on, and everything in your car is kind of flying to the front. And like all this stuff that like listening to your body, like being intentional mm-hmm. with your time, were I didn't think I could because I thought I had to be. I had to like like um, dot my eyes and cross my T's. Like I had to know the scriptures. Like there's there so many rules that are placed upon you when you go to a church and even when you work at a church that I didn't have time just to be me or mm-hmm. have or or I didn't allow myself to have time to be with myself and to say what do I want? What does my body need in the moment? Because it sounds really selfish when you say it out loud. Yeah. When you come from that culture, mm-hmm. when you start doing it, I'm like this is the way it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Like if we are made in the image of a creator, of a God, of a, of if we are made of the same stuff as everything else and, and animals take time, they're not fucking being animals all the time. Like bears hibernate. Like Mm -hmm. there, there's a, there's a time and a season for everything. And we are very much made to not go 110% and to give ourselves that breathing room. Like you said, like just unplug sometimes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe what you need to do is nothing.
2: Right. And even as, you're saying that i'm thinking another layer of church culture that disconnects us from our body is the only good thing is god and jesus and that is up there it's not down here yeah. there's like earthly sins and earthly <laughs> desires and all this stuff all the i like the stuff. voice <laughs>
0: that you're doing that's perfect Very, it's like a kid the saturday morning kids <laughs> It's perfect that's great. that's great i make a lot of weird sounds no i love it um yeah. no, but you're right it, it's it's this is just this is what we're passing through to get to where we're going
2: Mm-hmm, exactly, and even as you guys are talking the purity culture episode, mm-hmm. I mean, our bodies are just the way our bodies respond to things yes. is incorrect via church culture, and so like you're just like I don't want to be connected to something that's bad for me, so I'm just gonna stay up. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna like stay up in the clouds instead of like being down here in the present, and so it just creates disconnection.
0: Fuck you! You saying that? Okay, that just is this when because. Uh, you guys are listening? She's putting her hand up in the air, saying, "Pray up in the clouds." That was an exact example of a uh, sermon someone gave, where mm-hmm. they say we have to live vertically and also horizontally. We have to live up and just praying to God constantly. It's up here, and every once in a while, God will bring someone, someone into our path and we can live horizontally with him and we have to go back up here. I'm like, That's, wow. It looks like he's just working out his arm the whole time. But <laughs> that is doing the grease lightning yes. dance. Grease lightning, it's, really, yes. it's really harmful yeah. just mm-hmm. to have your eyes so set on what you think is coming right? that you miss everything that's
1: actually coming to you
0: now. Yes. Right.
1: And that Oof. alone is Oof. a construct because we have always been taught that God is above us somewhere. Yeah. Right. And yes. that's such a construct. Yes, like, yes it is. It's from it's the Greek and Roman gods where they're living yes. on Mount Olympus or whatever. Right. And yeah. so it's like, like for all we know, like it's, it's just so funny because like you always point to like hell down there and then right. heaven yeah. is all the way up there. When in reality we need to be kind of focusing inward cuz that's where God is. Mm-hmm. Like God is within, mm-hmm. right? And I love how you said that going to church on Sunday like it doesn't always serve you. No. You know, like it doesn't doesn't scratch the itch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes and for me it's indefinitely like being like <laughs> yeah. being like church does not serve me, right? Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's it's being home and being with family.
2: Yeah. And it's I mean that mentality of like well even if you don't feel like it just go and people say the same thing about church people say the same thing about working out and yeah. guess what you get injured and you you just like push your body beyond the breaking point point. and yes. so we need to stop forcing people to go to this thing even how I was talking about how like I'm an introvert so certain churches are just they make my skin crawl because of the way they operate and because of the way everyone around me interacts with me and so even like on that basis if I were to have grown up in that kind of a church and constantly being in this environment that was just just making my skin crawl. I mean, that's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't even allow you to like go explore another church. It doesn't allow you to like explore again why. It doesn't allow you to ask the why and be curious about yourself.
1: Shit, that's good. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> Jess, if you if we have some more time, <sighs> there we, we asked some of the bad apples to oh, yeah write in some questions because we told them we were speaking to a therapist. And so if it's cool with you, I'd like to ask some of these questions and we'll give the folks a shout out. So the first one that I want to talk about, um, this is uh, we're going to call this, uh, questions with gestions. Great! I don't
2: have a theme to do with Perfect! Great! I love it.
1: Okay, so so this question—these actually some really fascinating questions. The first question I want to mention is from Liv from Arizona, and she asked, "Could you say maybe the top three mental illnesses that you have seen presented in clients that have a strict church upbringing?" Mm. or if not the mental illness perhaps what is like the most common kind of um um manifestations of people who come from a strict church or upbringing Maybe anxiety that
2: hmm. anxiety and depression hands down because within this perfection culture you are either going to try to rise up to the occasion and just burn yourself out or you're going to retreat yes and you're going to knock it out oh. of bed yes yes those it- are the two ways
1: got it it's like mm-hmm. you it's like you either walk with a swagger or you walk with a limp it's mm-hmm. like you're like either you got it your mm-hmm. chest like you got it and then you burn out at the expense mm-hmm. of getting it air right. quotes yeah air or, quotes
0: or just or just you see people who have got it and you just want to do what they do right you think they have it yes exactly that's mm-hmm. it because yeah the, the the front they're putting up is so effective like
1: yeah i need to do that and then yeah
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah um and that's then a, that's a heavy one yeah Liv, yeah. Uh, Liv had actually also kind of tag this on after the fact it's great um she said the concept of doubt and the mind um i I think maybe she's talking about how like we were taught in church culture that doubt is some sort of negative thing yes that if i doubt if i have doubt in my salvation for example or i have doubt in heaven or the virgin birth that it's somehow a sign of weakness or something Mm -hmm. um can you speak to what what is the brain doing when it's doubting a thing or looking at it critically?
2: Um, well, I think we could just toss away the word doubt and mm-hmm. replace it with curiosity. Nice. I think instead of... Because doubt just sounds so...
0: The dirty sounding word doubt. Yes. Doubt. It's, no, it's so not fun. dirty There's a, bee, there's a silent B in there? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust you fucking doubt. <laughs> doubt. Doubt. Get out of here.
2: I think that was a word people used to continue to have control over what was going on you were doubting <sighs> yes girl oh come yes, on
0: queen. yes dude me.
2: i mean and even yeah. if you i mean i'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole because it's a whole other podcast but that even perpetuates like privilege like white privilege i mean you just like perpetuate like all these systems of like don't you dare doubt this like don't you dare be curious don't you dare ask questions like just do as i say and do what you're told and be done get out of my office
1: Damn. i love it get out of my office get
2: out of my office
1: <laughs> live from arizona thank you so much for asking that
2: yes thank you live
1: um this question is from Alyssa from Florida. Oh, that name! You sound really cute. Sorry, that's my wife, guys. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, she asked that, and I actually am curious about this as well. Is it difficult to separate being a therapist when you act with when you interact with your personal relationship, like like perhaps your spouse, or with your friends, <laughs> or with your family?
2: Um, Can you turn
1: it off? Are you always on? Like, are we on the clock right now?
2: You got a bill next week. What the? But that's actually something that happens when I tell people I'm a therapist. People will freeze, or mm-hmm. they'll get act real weird because they're like, "Oh, she's psychoanalyzing analyzing yeah. me." Here. Oh, she can read. I literally had someone say, "Like, oh, you can read my thoughts." Like, no. Did you think
1: I said I'm a psychic?
0: <laughs> Your thoughts are, you want to give me fifty
3: dollars? <laughs> Thank you.
2: So the joke I tell people is, "Well, are you paying me?" Oh, well, <laughs> no, this isn't happening. Yeah. Um, but no, I. Where it shows up in my personal relationships is more of I feel very useless at times because as a therapist, I have tools where I can help people and how I even just like, As just a regular person, I know that, okay, therapist me has all these tools. I can like help all these people. I can do all these great things. But for example, my husband, if he goes through something terrible, I can't be his therapist. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to sit with him like a regular human. And that feels at times so defeating. And it feels like I'm just worthless. Like, why am I even here? I can't help you, which is false. But Mm -hmm. that's kind of where that shows up in my personal relationships. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. I guess that's. Yeah, that's got to be a tough feeling. Being like the thing, like my my why. Mm-hmm. Like I am almost, I have to kind of, uh, step back, or or I'm not able to be as helpful as I feel like I could be in that yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's like like being a surgeon and like wanting to be able to do yeah. something you just don't have like your toolkit. Like you don't have your stuff. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting.
2: Yeah. Thank
1: you, Alyssa from Florida.
2: Thank you, Alyssa. <laughs>
1: This next question, oh, this is a good one. So this is from Leilani from Southern Illinois.
2: Okay.
1: And Leilani wants to know, how can someone deal with complex PTSD from being raised in an abusive and hyper-Christian home? This one's heavy.
2: Mm. Go see a therapist, Mm. first and foremost. Because complex PTSD is exactly what it is. It's complex. Mm. And it's not even... This is, again, something that's a whole other podcast, but there was actually someone who presented to the latest DSM, which is essentially the Bible of psychology. It's like where you get all your diagnoses from. They presented the diagnosis, complex PTSD, and it got turned away, which is annoying and stupid. But um, so it's not something that's going to fit in anyone's grid. Because you're not a veteran coming back from the war yeah. mm-hmm. with all these like, oh, this makes sense and blah, blah, blah. It's like all this stuff that's piled on and piled on and piled on. And so for, so first and foremost, you're going to need a professional to help you sift through all of it. Um, secondly, you're going to make sure that you surround yourself with people who are connected. Like a community that's like connected to themselves. Um,
1: what do you mean by that? Connected to themselves.
2: Like they're aware. So not like people who are like, just pray about it. Or Got like, it. wow, you people, know, like you should who have respected are, your parents. Yeah, people who are
0: kind of already in, like practicing those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay.
2: exactly. Yeah. So that's, I mean, because that's a very loaded question with, or a very broad question, I mm-hmm. should say, without knowing the specifics of it. Sure. But complex PTSD, go see a therapist. You're going to need a professional. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Thank you for asking that, Lailani. Thank you. This next question here is from Danya from Washington, D.C. How do special needs parents, how can, probably the question is, how can special needs parents cope with the lack of community in the church Mm. and separating it from the we'll pray for you culture? Have you heard of that? Have you experienced people who are like, all they say is just "We'll we'll pray for you. Can you read that question
2: one more time? Yeah, of
1: course. How can special needs parents cope with the lack of community in the church and separate from the toxic we'll pray for you culture?
2: Yeah. So it's another that's first off, that just breaks my heart yeah. when people are going through a situation and they just feel so alienated by something that's just so regular. Yes. Like that that's very heartbreaking. But um finding support groups depending on what the needs are of that a child person in their life, um finding a support group is going to be your best thing because even people who are connected to themselves are just not going to understand your situation because typically people who have special needs, it's special needs for a reason. Like it's needs that are outside of the norm. And so just finding a group of people who also understand kind of what you have to go through in your day to day is going to be extremely crucial. Um, if you have the resources, see a therapist figure out like how you can learn to live with this reality because that's that's the really tough thing about christian culture is that people don't go to church to be uncomfortable people go to church to feel great at the end of it
3: Mm. Wow.
2: And so if you bring something uncomfortable to the church community, that's not why they're there. And so they're going to reject it. Holy that's shit. why it's the whole pray. That's it's like, get away from me with that negative energy. Get away from, I'm like in my happy space right now. Like I got all the love from the Lord. I feel so good. Like I got my bullet points. I'm good. Right. And so if you bring something into that circle, it's going to be rejected. And so trying to find a circle, whether that's in church or not in church, it's just like, real people who are willing and able to accept your reality, which might not be all roses and colorful.
1: Right. And it's like, also like, I imagine it's like, I think the experience I've seen is very much like, we're going to come alongside you until it's like inconvenient. And then yes. it's like, I got to go. Yeah. I got to go. And I, as someone who's guilty of it too, and then hearing this perspective, I'm like, holy shit. Like I can't even imagine. So.
0: Well, to speak to like my family. We're currently going through sort of the same things with my son, Noah, he's six. Mm-hmm. So, my wife and I, from when he was a baby, noticed. I'm um, just he spoke late. His he didn't crawl. He just went from like not moving to walking. Hmm. So his um his dexterity, his fingers is is, is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a there's a lot of things we're working with his school. He he goes to occupational therapy and speech mm-hmm. once a week. Um, and what's very interesting while you were answering that, Jess is me thinking how we dealt with this while we were in the church mm-hmm. versus how we are now dealing with it outside the church. Now we are very very privileged to live in Broward County which has a ton of resources yeah. mm-hmm. for developmental delays in children yes. for any special needs. And uh, we recently just got into, it's a really cool name, the Unicorn Clinic at uh, Nova oh Southeastern. Gosh. And they they test for autism and ADHD. We went there. Sounds like a superhero.
1: It sounds daycare. fucking yeah. cool. Uh,
0: we went there yesterday and my wife and I had an interview with them for about an hour. And then Noah goes next Wednesday. I take him next Wednesday. Beautiful building. It's super, super nice. So we're very privileged to live in Broward County down here. Um, but I think now being outside the church for so long and being so Okay with knowing that our son was made the way he is mm-hmm. because, yeah, for all his exit, in, whatever, in, eccentricities. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I, I need to go to <laughs> Unicorn Clinic. I can't speak. Uh, he has these amazing qualities in him. So, like, yeah. we're completely fine with anything that will just allow him to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, the The church doesn't really, I, I think, for the same reason, doesn't really touch on mental health because it really can't even, it really can't even help with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so like Noah has very limited special needs, um, or he, he will soon find out if he has that ADHD mm-hmm. or autism, what spectrum he's on. Um, but there are some families, and I've been to a church where a family walking with a with a child in a wheelchair.
3: Yeah.
0: And the, the child is uh, can't really control the volume of its voice, can't control its movements, and it, like you said, like people go to church because it's comfortable and afterwards they go to get a brunch mm-hmm. and then they go watch a football game. Yeah. Yep. And if there's some kid in the back making a scene in a wheelchair, yeah. it's kind of like, everyone's like kind of giving the evil eye. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have both been in situations where we're like, everyone's fucking looking at us. This is really mm-hmm. fucking awkward. What do we do? Um, and I'm trying to think if there's been any times when I've seen like people go out of their way to meet that need but in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say I've I've seen that. Um, and that's
1: heartbreaking. It is.
0: Yeah. I, I, someone posted a video on Reddit of, and I don't know if the child had any issue, but the child was throwing a tantrum, just losing their shit. It's this, this uh, single African American mom was shopping, and uh, this old white dude comes up, and is like, "Hey, mind if I just carry your daughter and like walk around with you?" And like, somebody took a video. Of the old man picking up the baby and like walking around with, um, with the mom, and the baby's like playing with the old man. Like, that is what mm-hmm. the church should be doing. I mean, yeah, you can't just go pick up a baby, but like that is very much phys- physically meeting the need of the mom at that moment. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, once again, going back to the church says, everyone, this is a place for a hospital or for broken people. Like, mm-hmm. no, man. No. If anyone walks in who makes you not comfortable, it's like, yeah. that's so good. Oh, wow. stay, stay like right here, away from mm-hmm. me. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for asking that. Washington DC. Danya dude. from Washington DC. I know. I know in the capital. This is the last question and I think cool. we'll open it up to anybody to like link. If you want to talk or We can because I think this sure. will apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. This is from Erica from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And this one's a little bit longer, So I'm just going to read it out. Okay. What are some healthy ways to deal with the guilt that goes along with being a former church kid? I feel like I'm constantly analyzing and justifying my sense of morality reminding myself that it's okay to not participate in church anymore i'm combating the fear of being put on the spot by my family i keep a lot of my views hidden and private because of a deep rooted fear of being outed as a non-believer it's really painful because on the other hand i feel as if i'm hiding my true self and not standing up for some of the things i believe in strongly mm. but i also don't want to hurt my family and having them praying for my eternal soul or whatever Jeez, oh, boy Therapist Jess? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, that was a very long question. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces of it. Mm-hmm.
1: They, I think the biggest thing they talked about is like, how do I get over the guilt? Mm-hmm. How do I stand up for who I am? I don't want to hurt my family in the process.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I will say is that um, just give yourself space mm-hmm. to feel all of these emotions Because it is, it's a process. And so you're never going to leave an abusive situation and feel 100% great about it. You never are. Ask the person in a domestic violence situation Mm -hmm. when they leave their abusive partner if they feel 100% great after they do. No, they don't. And so same thing with this situation. Just allow yourself to, like, don't judge yourself for feeling guilty. Don't judge yourself for feeling happy. Just know that there's going to be a myriad of emotions and it's fine because that's 100% appropriate and healthy.
1: It's giving yourself room to experience yeah. all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think about that a lot too because I, in a lot of ways, I'm still in that boat where it's like Mm -hmm. I sure as hell don't say the things that I believe in a lot of ways to, you know, my parents. Well, I'm not speaking to my parents. There's that, but also like to like Alyssa's parents, like there'll be times where, or people that I care about and respect. Right. And they'll say something. and
3: I'm like,
1: and because I don't have a desire to harm people. Right. And I think what I'm gathering from Erica is like, there is a, there seems to be a genuine love for her family, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if, if there wasn't love, or, or at least an affection, or a warmth, or a care for that family, mm-hmm. they'd be like, "Fuck y'all, I'm out," you know. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely empathize with that feeling of like, you don't want to be the one, you don't want to break mama's heart, you know. Uh, and that's something that I'm I'm totally dealing with. So yeah, trust that, me that, I'm right that
0: guilt when I came out of the church, like the guilt of just not being a church Sunday morning, was a huge thing. A guilt of not being completely drained at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Cause I did a ton, a ton of work. Like I felt guilty. Like mm. I remember driving on the road that I would take to get to church. I was driving on it, not to go to church, just anytime on a Sunday. I'm like, I kind of feel guilty. Cause I just didn't kind Like I, I, I felt like I wasn't doing something to my full potential. And then I realized yeah. that was just a, um, someone put that on me. That's not something normal. Like you have to set this up and do this. Like, no, that was something that someone asked of me. And then they took advantage.
1: Cause I said, yes. Um, I, I, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, grew up using the term, preach the gospel to yourself. And now I'm like, yuck, gross. But there is something to the fact of a mantra or a reminder to yourself. And Erica, my hope is that you would remember that at your core, you are good. Mm-hmm that Mm -hmm. you are made of love, that you are breathed of God, that there is nothing wrong with the feelings you're feeling, just like you said, Mm Jess, like you are completely loved and affirmed. You're completely seen. And the Christ that is in you and in everything and is in like, that's, it's all temple. It's all church. Church is happening right now, wherever you are in this moment. And if you can appreciate that and see the beauty in god being in all of it then hopefully it can help you not feel that moment of guilt saying i need to go where god is Mm because he's in a building somewhere Mm -hmm. because like god's within you right now like you're in it and
0: as far as like talking because i i cannot talk to my parents about what i believe now versus what i used to because my parents take it very personally because they they did a really job raising me Mm -hmm. i'm very lucky My parents sacrificed a lot, a lot, a lot to give my sister and I the life we had and now are products of. Um, So I'm very particular about what I say in front of them Mm because I don't want to ruin the mood, but I'm surprised it's taking me this long to get to it. But I finished Kevin Garcia's book. And in the book, uh, they say that uh, we should start talking to our lovers like we talk to our friends and talk to our friends like we talk to our lovers. Wow. He says, you confide in your Mm -hmm. friends. You kind of dish about the whole day. And then with your lovers like you give them your whole heart and we should do the reverse of that so i've been trying to put that into practice like with uh with my wife just kind of doing that same thing but also with my my family like i like if i extrapolate that they're not my lovers they're like my friends so i should talk to them and i should give them that love and i should give them that that affirmation even though we don't agree on theological points um but to me that was very challenging and then we were hanging out this past weekend Doing like a game night for my sister's birthday and I was trying to put that in action like it's not the time when my one of my family members makes a joke about Elizabeth Warren being some Indian lady like I'm like I don't even know where the fuck you pulled that out of your butt dude <laughs> like I'm not this is not the point like I, I still love you like you can have your dumb points but uh, yeah that, that's been really challenging and very helpful to me to kind of conquer should I even this is this worth even talking about what's more what's more important mm-hmm. here me getting my point across or just love what's more important so
2: and something else I want to add to this two separate things one is that this goes for this situation or any situation where someone has experienced a negative experience or a trauma or whatever you want to label it your story is yours Mm. not everyone else's Mm. true you own the story and you get to choose who and when and how and why you tell your story so that's first and foremost. And that applies to every single human on this planet, even our family members. Um, And the second point is family is very complex and um, you first identify kind of the negative experience that's going on. um, And then also you realize that people are just kind of doing the best with what they're given. Mm -hmm. And so that is something you personally, regardless of whether your family receives you or accepts you or not, that is like a personal journey you can go on. And then take comfort in the fact that you are now building upon what they've taught you. You can go further than your family ever did. That's something because even with my mom, who I talk to every single day, um, we don't agree on everything. And there are a lot of really important things that we disagree on sometimes. Um, But I always just take comfort in the fact of knowing that even if maybe it's not recognized in the moment that my mother raised me to build upon what she gave me. I'm not replicating what she gave me. I'm building up on it.
0: What's funny is that that everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah, It's the same thing that Emily Prada said when Mm -hmm. we had her on the podcast. That was really like, it really kind of prevents you from judging
1: anyone because like they're just doing the best they can the same way I'm just doing the best I can. I saw this. Uh, like like a meme or something and it's like two parents going we're definitely not gonna fuck up our kids the way we were fucked up and at the bottom <laughs> it says like they found a whole new way to fuck up their kid <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because that's,
2: yeah because that's what's happening mm-hmm. yeah
1: wow well thank you for that question erica that yeah. was amazing yes, thank you Jess. thank you for this time this is yeah, like that was this has been so fucking great it was, it was life-giving so like seriously I, yeah it was a breath of fresh air that was really really good yeah thank you awesome. so much um, I would like for you to take some time to kind of like plug like your practice and what you do and ways that people can connect with you and work with you.
2: Cool. So it's actually very exciting because I just rebranded myself a that, couple yeah. of days ago. So it's nice. very exciting. Um, I am now promenade counseling, which is a ballet term. Hmm. It's a French word meaning...
0: Hence the hands on the... Yeah. Oh, shit. Now uh-huh. it makes sense. Promenade. Promenade. <laughs> <That's> a,
2: <laughs>
1: thank you. Okay, <Yeah>, <laughs> <a laughs> candlestick from... <laughs> you <laughs> calm down dude just, they're just the worst <laughs> caricature what a horrible <laughs> stereotype i'm so sorry please continue no, so with good. so
2: yeah promenade counseling you can find me on instagram at promenade counseling or my website is also promenade counseling cool. um and all my contact info is on there if you ever need therapy or just have a question i love it when people slide into my dms with questions
0: you are very interactive on yeah. instagram like your posts and your stories are really good. Thank you. Like, yeah. like it's most people just put shit up there, like, hey, uh, uh. but yours is like four stories long of like you actually, like asking questions. Like I'm like sitting
1: on my lunch break, like oh shit, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I really really enjoy it. Yeah, I was like learning like so much. I'm like yeah. oh my god, like what really goes into being a therapist? Super yeah. super cool. Really cool. Yeah, definitely. Everyone will. People are gonna be loving you for sure because you're great. Oh my gosh, um, thank you. This has been an awesome episode yeah, And, a, and a long But it didn't feel long No, it like, was great I d- It didn't feel like a drag Because yeah. the conversation is so great I will <sighs> say Now is probably a great time yes. As good as any For us to go into our next segment And final segment of the night Which is called Sip, Smoke, Read Sip, Smoke, Sip, Smoke, Read Yeah, yeah So you know we read that shit That shit Only sip the finest party left. On my couch, my right? yeah, So you're thinking I'm to these but you keep on I'm I will watch a show it's Just
3: take a look. <laughs> <laughs> they call me little fishy for
1: my Now you gotta sip, smoke Sip, smoke, babe. Ah <sighs> mm. So this is, as you may or may not know, just this is our <laughs> segment called Sip, Smoke, Read, where we talk about what are we consuming, drinking, reading, smoking, enjoying, mm. um, to kind of get ourselves through this thing called life. Mm. Would you go through fir- go first and tell us some of the stuff that you're you're reading, watching, listening to?
2: Yeah. Um. Right now, I'm trying to get back into the habit of reading. So I have a tendency to well. I'm reading a book that's like very therapy based right now called, um, I'm going to butcher the title, but I believe it's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog.
1: Wow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're going to I have to... no
2: chill at <laughs> all points. I have no chill. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs>
1: wow, you do not. Yeah, you are just yo, all the way in. Yo. All the way in all the time. So, what can you just give me like a synopsis or a premise?
2: So the whole book, from what I'm understanding, and I've read snippets of the book for research and stuff, but um, I haven't read it's an entirety. And it's about attachment hmm. and how trauma affects attachment. Wow. Yeah. To boil it down to a couple simple words.
1: Okay, so it's not is it it's not like an actual historical
2: oh no it's a, it's a true story
1: This is an actual story yes oh my god i thought it was just like i thought it was like some sort of clever like a i thought it was like a, sort of clever, like a well, clever metaphor oh,
2: okay. no this is like real trauma it's actually not i have that's i've heard of real life cases where Jeez children were raised that way
1: oh god okay yeah. damn okay yep. cool. cool and then what will you just like read that before bed and then you just <laughs> go to sleep like yeah.
2: yeah wow okay well what happens is i try to read and then i'll read something and my brain will go in a million mm, different places sure. because i'm like oh my gosh and i'll like make all these connections like past clients and like current clients and all this stuff and so i barely get through two pages yeah got and it. then i've exhausted myself so <laughs> then i turn on tv
1: God. and what are you watching are when watching you turn you? on tv <sighs> um <laughs> there's no ju- this is a no judgment what, what, what's what's sure. what's the
0: thing when like you get with your friends like oh my gosh did you watch
2: Ooh. um well i'm always very delayed because i binge shows yes. um but the current show that i am binging right now is catfish
1: never heard of it isn't that the show where that's like
2: that's the mtv show where like the people are on that's still media? a show
1: is mtv still a thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> what year is it <laughs> It's right after Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch.
1: Oh, my God.
0: It is still a thing. My Cat favorite band is Destiny's is...
3: Child.
1: Yeah. So what do they do? They they catfish people, like, in real time?
2: Well, people are catfishing other people. So it's and a ter- so... Are you familiar
1: with the term catfish? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes, not, the, not the animal. No, no I know. I know. I know.
2: <laughs> it's a fishing show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she loves fishing. Just one type of fish.
0: They catch it. They put it back and catch it again.
2: <laughs> no, so they... There's a scenario that's happening where someone is being catfished and so someone writes into the show and Neve and Max are the two people who go try to figure out who the catfish is and if it's who they say they are or who it's not. And it's always drama and it's like MTV Uncle. drama though yeah. just like yeah. so good and just so bad at the same time. I've
1: heard of the show but like five years ago
2: I'm obsessed.
1: It's still, so it's like still a show. It's oh, not yeah. like a rerun. Okay. No, it's still a all right. show. All right. Great. And it's, Represent. they just
2: stumble upon mental health all the time. Oh, of course. Yeah, of sure. course. Yeah. So that's also why it's fascinating It's like projecting. Me. It's like lying. Because again, I have no chill. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs>
1: okay. So you're reading this book. You're watching that show. Is there anything else you're watching? Anything else? like?
2: In I mean, department? I'm always watching The Office. I'm yeah, always man. watching Parks and Rec. I'm always watching Schitt's Creek. Nice. I'm always... There's something else. Oh, Broad City. Yeah. You we know were talking about that we yeah. were yeah. setting up. Yep. I got to check
1: it out. Danny Prada yeah. mentioned Broad City, too.
2: So that's... So good. Cool. So that's what else I'm watching. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Brother Josh Link. <sighs> so The Bachelor... <laughs> I wasn't sure what that if, deep if breath any of was you, for.
0: If any of you are... <laughs> any Bachelor Nation people out there, you know the pain, I'm, the pain I'm going through. Peter, this season's Bachelor is... A cardboard cutout of a man. He is the beige crayon in the crayon box. He's the default man setting on any video game. He is de- <laughs> oh devoid God. of any char- any charismatic stuff. It's per usual. It's just a trashy show. My wife. Um. Funny enough, when my wife and I were dating, uh, for I think three or four months, we lived at my parents' house, and my dad and my my wife, fucking. Uh, really got close over to The Bachelor, so I, I'd be like, like hanging out with my <laughs> like mom, really and they're like close? watching it, so, and, like, and like my wife would invite her friends over. So much so that for the last showing of The Bachelor, my dad showed up in a suit oh, and had roses for all the girls, stop it and right he now. gave it to all the girls and sat and watched it with all the girls. <laughs> So we, my wife was into The Bachelor. I got into it last season. I'm into it again this season. It's just, I'm assuming it's the same thing as catfishing. The drama is just yes. mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. And this one girl who now, it's down to the final three. Um, this one girl, Madison, just now told Peter that I'm, I'm waiting for marriage to have sex. She told him on the fantasy suite night, which if anyone knows anything, fantasy suite is when you go get busy. And she's like, if you have sex with anyone else, I don't think I can do this. I'm like, what show did you think this was? It wasn't the abstinence hour. This is called The Bachelor. Um, oh so God. that's every Monday, and it's coming to a close. But I also watched um, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, I think it's what it's called, the Tom Hanks oh. movie about Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. Um, really, really good. It's based on a true story about Mr. Rogers and uh, this guy who came to report on him. But then, my wife and I watched that, and then I found the HBO documentary on Mr. Rogers. That was made in 2018, just about him. Was he really a sniper? No, dude, it is so good, and to the point where um, you were saying you were weeping in your therapist room, when this clip came on, I was crying on my couch by myself.
3: I like
1: It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like The way you are right now
0: So the whole documentary goes into Aww. how he was a Presbyterian minister but never never brought that into anything. And his whole message and him fighting for PBS to get $20 million in funding when Nixon tried to cut it was just because, uh, like you said, child person. I like I caught that. It was really good. He, he saw children as people and their emotions as important. And... Um, just his fight for children's emotions to be something that should be addressed and they're going through like the second or fifth episode they addressed war and racism and classism with puppets and stuff I'm like dude it was completely going over my head as a kid but watching the documentary i have a whole brand new um respect for him and like i came to the conclusion like he preached more truth on a daily basis for years than any pastor can ever do. Wow. To just millions of kids. Super, super cool. If you have HBO Now, it's on there. Um, I think you can rent the uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor with Tom Hanks on like Amazon or something. There's a bunch of other shit I was into, but that Bachelor and Mr. Rogers are the most
1: important. (laughs) I love it. Um, That's my spectrum. Sweet, that's a spectrum, I love it. Mm -hmm. How about you? Guys, Outlander's back. Outlander is back. I, I need to get into that show. So, it's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Alyssa and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, <laughs> Alyssa gave me a hard time because I made the mistake of like telling Alyssa's parents that we watch it, <laughs> and because they were like, "Oh, what's that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's Outlander. It's really cool. It's like a like a like a historical fiction fantasy show, and it's on Netflix." And Alyssa's dad's like, "Oh, that sounds great. I should I should watch it." And I completely forgot. But there was so much so much explicit sex oh my gosh
3: Extri- it's it's
1: it's phenomenally explicit sex yeah. so much sex and Alyssa's like we were driving home she's like hey yeah uh, good job on telling my dad <laughs> oh. you and I are watching some some nasty nasty Netflix it's about to become your her, your father-in-law's favorite show <laughs> or he's just gonna like never hug it. me I knew it dirty perv you dirty dirty perv <laughs> So that's that's oh that. So that's out of the bag. Um, we're watching a show called Jack Ryan with John Krasinski. I watched the first season. It's very good. And season 2 is going to be even crazier. I just have like that feeling. It's just hard not to th- not to think that's what
0: Jim from the office did in his mind when Pam was still engaged to Roy. He's like, in his ass. mind, he's like, I'm just fucking killing everyone. Like, that's what I see. That's
1: how I see the show. <laughs> it's all just a projection of yes. him in, during <laughs> the office. Yeah. Like, he's just sitting at his desk yes. and it just snaps back to it's, him. It's very, very good. Really good. Um, I told my brother. So, my brother is like kind of this all-American, white bread, clean-cut, preppy boy. And he's one of my best friends and I love him. And... He reminds me so much of, of the, John's, John Krasinski's portrayal of Jack Ryan. Mm-hmm. like Just down to the way he dresses, the fact that they both row. Like, it's crazy. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Um, also, so I went to, this is on kind of the consumption things that I'm ingesting. That's a weird clinical term. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the, things I'd be taking, bruh. Um, and I've been trying to find kind of like some homeopathic, Holistic ways to like ease my stress that I deal with every day Mm -hmm. and uh, as as a means to maybe try and uh, remedy some of the depressed moments that I experience. I'm using that word very carefully. Mm -hmm. And so uh, some of the things that I have been taking before bed is like CBD oil. Mm. And I, I, I can I haven't really felt like a vibe change during the day. But I feel, like, drastically more rested the next morning if I take it before bed. Hmm. I don't really know what CBD... It's funny, like, to me, CBD oil may as well be snake oil. Like, I I, I (laughs) couldn't tell you what it's supposed to be doing (laughs) to my body. Um, But I feel really good when I'm rested. Do you have... I meant to ask you, are there any, like, maybe, like, homeopathic... Have you come across any stuff like that that could be helping? Other than just, like, the physical activity and sleep?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, not to... Have another plug or anything, but I'm also offering neurotransmitter testing.
0: I saw that. Yeah. And I have no idea what that is. Please go on.
2: So it is basically so you've heard of like serotonin, Mm -hmm. dopamine, all that stuff. So this test, it's a take-home test. You literally pee on a stick and you send it into the lab. Mm -hmm. I like it already. Right? (laughs) It's tinkling over there. (laughs) Back
0: to tinkling, you (laughs) dirty perv. Your outlander show and you pee on everything. (laughs) oh my god um neurotransmitters neurotransmitters so
2: (laughs) it just comes back with a result i think it's 12 neurotransmitters total and it gives you um natural like vitamins essentially to take instead of like going to see a psychiatrist and like getting like a prescription from like big pharma
1: yeah wow yeah so that's hell yeah
2: homeopathic
1: that's my Mm -hmm. jam all right i'm gonna hit you up about that yeah Mm -hmm. that's crazy that's that's really cool that is great. it's so cool we've come that far i know right right The future is now yes that's nuts the The jetsons dude well this has been a really great episode thank you so much again jess it flew by it's been incredible josh do you want to talk about how people can connect with us yeah
0: so um you can find us on Instagram, dirty rotten church kids. We're on Twitter, dirty rotten CK. If you want to shoot us an email for some unknown freaking reason, (laughs) uh, we're also dirty Rotten (laughs) CK at Gmail. Um, also to those who continue to reach out to us, uh, I'll speak for myself. I am shocked and also encouraged by the amount of people who actually want to talk to us. Um, Adrian and I, uh, both don't sleep. And so we're able to respond to people really quick. <laughs> and so what's really funny is someone will send us a message or they'll react to one of the stories. And they'll be like, well, thank you for responding. I'm like, dude, uh, we don't sleep. And yeah, we don't have friends. So <laughs> you're about <laughs> close one to one guy. One guy messaged us. He's like, I'm from New Zealand. I don't know what time zone it is over there. And Adrian and I both responded to
1: him. I'm like, dude, we're perfectly fine. You can message us whenever. At one point, I can tell uh, when, great. like, Josh, oh so I'll, like, go in sometimes to reply to somebody. And, like, I'll see that we're typing to them and I'm and like so like Josh will reply and then I'll reply and then at one point I like spoke to Josh within the same we looked like like just so thank you for uh, yeah I'm
0: just really amazed by this community that sprung out of this uh, dumb idea we had of a podcast so thank you to those who are like communicating and sharing stuff and commenting and hating or whatever trolling on us it's fun it's a lot a lot of fun it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. um yeah so you can write, reach us at all those places there's a facebook page out there for us that somehow <laughs> i think i created and people
1: are liking it you guys How? that's a thing that's crazy we should probably moderate that because i have no idea guys no care. here's your chance like it and make it as fucking weird yeah, as do you Who cares? It can be whatever you want. Share it to all your grandmas <laughs> renowned <right laughs> on Facebook. It's <laughs> the wild west out there. And put it on
0: MTV Catfish <laughs> and whatever the fuck is still going on these days. And drop a tablet of Z. It's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You can reach us to those places. Thank you guys so much for, yeah, just, just being a bad apple.
1: Love it. That's Love cool. It. Yeah. 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 Good times. Well, everyone, thank you so much again for listening to episode 10 of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Keep up the dirty work and remember, it's, it's all, all going to be, be okay. okay. Hey, hey, she did it. hey. hey.
3: I, I echo, I echo that. <laughs> I echo my echo. That has to be the most laughter ever recorded in a single podcast. Having Jess on was a treat and we hope to get her on another episode again soon. We can't thank you all enough for listening, sharing the episodes and engaging with us on social media. This is all shaping up to be something very special. The worst thing about prison was the Dementors.